tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, Johnny Luby will be with me in just a few moments' time. Donald Trump's announcement of his wish to run once again for the White House. Toll charges rising to a maximum level from January. Cost of living protests happening in Nina tomorrow. We'll uh, be talking about the winners and losers of reality TV with Andrew in the second hour of the programme and of course the final hour our Friday panel will unpack the hot topics of the week so all of that and much much more on the way we'll be hearing from our our listeners throughout the programme as well you can text and whatsapp 083 you can email tip today at uh, tipfm.com quick look at the headlines Irish Daily Mail toll rises gouging us motorists will face toll charge uh, hikes on a major on major roads across the country from the start of next year in a move branded as highway robbery the Irish Independent and uh, they're telling us that permanent TSB is the latest bank to hike its fixed term interest rates for new mortgage lenders, new mortgage customers, I suppose that should read. Uh, the lender is to make the announcement this morning. The Irish Times are leading again with uh, mortgage rates rising 12% ahead of ECB hikes. And we're also hearing on the Times that the Vincentians uh, say the 46 have made complaints of abuse by its priests. The Irish Examiner telling us that hospital bosses to be grilled on poor services, underperforming consultants and managers in some of the country's worst hospitals have been targeted in recent weeks and asked to account for their failures. be very interested to hear some of those answers but that's a quick peek at what's making headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 and if you can use the same WhatsApp and text number if you want to register for Match 3 in association with the Friends of Stakeums because we'll be playing that just after 11 o'clock this morning as well. Johnny Luby is with me. Morning, Johnny. Fine, well. How are you today, Johnny? Not too bad, friend, by yourself. Ah, sure, look, same old, same old. Um, you're going to start with congratulations for Drummond Inch, Camogie. That's right, Jeff. I'm heartiest congratulations to them on a marvellous victory. I was listening to it on Tip FM on Sunday last, and what a victory for them. I've no doubt that them ladies celebrated it in style in Youngs of the Rag uh, on Sunday night and elsewhere, and now they're in an All-Ireland semi-final. They certainly deserve it, you know. They've come through a tough Tipperary campaign where you had the likes of Cashel King Combs, who are certainly uh, uh, up in their standards. You have Kenorty Ross Moore that they beat in the final for maybe the second or Tour time, and you have uh, a lot of outstanding mm. clubs that are in the Carty Rogue and that, and to come through that, uh, think they were well prepared for a monster campaign and uh, to uh, win by four or five points. They brought in a young girl there in the second half, I think she's only 17 or 18 years of age, uh, and that, and that was part possibly the turning point but uh, look well done to them and their mentors and everybody else it's fantastic for Tipperary Camogie to have a team uh, gone so far and look it's really 
you know, it's fantastic. And of course, then you had a marvellous victory on Saturday evening for Clamel Commercials uh, against the Cork Champions. Mm. Now, how Clamel Commercials were allowed to start with the book pickers at 9-2, I cannot believe it, because they have uh, outstanding players, mm. and once they came good, they were going to take an awful lot of beating. Now, to judge them on Tipperary, where the weather was desperate bad when they played the likes of Upper Church, Trumban, and Lockmore, Castellani, and indeed many more teams, and my role from that, but they performed well all through the year, but on Saturday evening last, they certainly got it right, and uh, looked their favourites now for the Munster Championship, but I suppose they won't be looking at that, because I think their next game is possibly Newcastle West, or some of them at, at a Tipperary venue, and uh, uh, Carmel Commercials will have their heads well screwed on, and the very best have looked at them, it is wonderful to see that, and also the likes of Ross Gray, who are in the county, uh, uh, who represent the county in the yeah. Premier Intermediate as well, that is fantastic, but I suppose uh, on Sunday evening next, uh, Golden Kilfiegel ladies, they play Shreve Fadham referees in the under-19 county final. That game is in Feather Town Park and the all-weather pitch. Shreve Fadham have won the county under-16 and under-21. They would be the favourites going in, but it's brilliant for the likes of Golden Kilfiegel who only started it up there a couple of years ago, mm. and uh, that game is on on Sunday evening in the town park at 5 o'clock, so they'd be looking for a, a bit of support. And also, friend one would have to say, whilst uh, Tullesarsfields is a recognised hurling club, to see them advance to a, uh, in the Munster Championship in junior football is brilliant for them brilliant, and they really yeah. look to them. And I suppose the Mullinahone ladies ah, are I'm delighted you're mentioning them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the very best of luck to them. I've no doubt that uh, uh, they'll perform brilliantly as well because they did last year and I suppose they want to go a step further this year. So, the very best of luck uh, to them. Mm. It's all systems go on the, uh, on the uh, uh, GA front at the moment. Yeah, and the Rugby Ireland-Australia? That's right, Jeff. And a big one at the weekend. Yeah. That's on tomorrow evening. And uh, I have no doubt that uh, it could be a tremendous game. Johnny Sexton is back on board again. Thanks be to God, because whilst he is 37, 36 or 7 years of age, we certainly can't do without him on the field of play. He dictates everything mm. else I would out have uh, should do. Uh, the game last weekend against Fiji, I suppose, was just an, uh, a kind of a non-runner, but you still had to run in the uh, that competition between the South Africans. Then the, then the game last weekend, and of course, uh, this is the big one this weekend, and that'll get him ready for uh, uh, the Six Nations campaign, which starts in uh, February, please God. But then to be back to the Heineken Cup games again in uh, December, where Munster, Leinster, Connacht, and Ulster will all be looking forward to their big campaigns. And of course, Fran, uh, and District are in the All Ireland quarter final again at home on Saturday at two o'clock to take on the might of Inniskillen. That's a long drive down, Fran. They're staying in the Hoffman Jockey tonight, so they play a quarter final of the All Ireland uh, outside on the hill at two o'clock on Saturday, and hopefully uh, uh, the lads will uh, perform well down, down a, a player or mm. two. Due to injuries, but will, will you be going out to the horse and jockey to try and lead them astray? <laughs> I was half thinking of it because mentioning the jockey does kind of a get together there tonight for lads that were playing in London in the 70s with all the various clubs uh, uh, there, there's a gathering of many. And if people uh, uh, have 
been in London in the 70s, I've no doubt if you belt on to the jockey tonight, Johnny Bowers and co uh, are there. So they're, they're looking forward to uh, meeting and reminiscing of the days gone by in in, uh, uh, in London back in the uh, glorious 70s. But uh, I suppose, friend, uh, inside in the middle of the whole lot, then uh, we, well, we had the horse racing yesterday in Tullus, the Clamel Isle Chase, there was a fight, or in Clamel, uh, Clamel Isle Chase was in Tullus yesterday, and of course, uh, Willie Mullins uh, dominated the scene first and second, and well done to Clamel Isle, they got a good crowd there yesterday, and of course, they advertised well on Tip FM and that, so fair play to them, and of course, on Thursday next year of the Tullus races, I happened to pass the race course the other day, I was in with uh, Stakelands, they're the cousins, but I don't think the cousins thing work anymore down there, you get nothing for nothing down there, down there. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd better give him a rap. You better. You better, let down, yeah. Let down the cotton bear. But it's a wonderful shop to walk into. They have everything there from a needle to an ankle. So, uh, and uh, the lads, top class ladies and, and gents inside the counters and ready to meet whatever you're looking for. And I went across then to see the tallest race course. My first time driving around it where the ambulance drives around just to get a good look at the course. And it's a magnificent course in tremendous order. They race again there on Thursday next. They're putting on another extension onto their car park. So they'll certainly have the finest uh, uh, car park in the country there for uh, their meetings coming up uh, that, uh, that's on Thursday next and of course then inside in the middle of the whole lot we had the gambling industry as well which came back from uh, to uh, like it's going to be very hard to uh, police I mean where does one yeah, stop? the new legislation on that Johnny yeah that's right. Yeah. Do you start actually with the uh, lotto, which is a huge source of income for government and for everybody, clubs and everything else out there. I mean, it's and bingo, everything comes into the equation. Is it all? Is it all a form of gambling? I don't know, but certainly, friend, I can see where people are coming from because many, many friends of mine have got caught in the gambling industry uh, from time to time. Yeah. I suppose yeah. at times we have to pull back our horns and look. Maybe a euro or two sounds okay, but at the end of the day, it's all a form. Of gambling and we have to try and uh, yeah but uh, as you said the big issue there Johnny and we discussed it during the week is how do you police it because I mean stuff is going to come into smartphones and computers and TVs from overseas and all you know you just can't you can't that's right and at, and at the same time friend, at the other side of the coin it, it's a huge employer as well mm-hmm. uh, and that like if you do away with it look and you can't do away with it it's simple as that mm-hmm. because uh, it cannot be policed you know uh, then I heard your lady on during the week from the farm uh, background uh, Katrina Morrissey yeah that's right, she's talking yeah. about the burning of bushes and all of that friend listen for years they told us to burn the bushes mm. You know, and now, uh, I don't know, you're supposed to put them all into a corner and it's supposed to be this diversity thing and all of that caper. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, friend. Look, then you had the co- that, that cop-out, as I call them, that thing outside on the Broadway, 29 countries out of 190. Yeah. Mother of God above tonight, friend. I think myself is only a drinking session. Cop 27, <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> that's yeah. what I think it is. The yeah. greatest load of crap that ever was because they're giving a fortnight out there and they're talking about uh, giving money to the poorer countries and everything else and they're listening to Joe Biden and uh, all of that and China and Japan and Germany and France and the whole lot. Do not even give a tuppenny hoot or they just throw money at it and keep going as you were? That's... that's that's what it appears to well, me. Well, a lot of people uh, believing, it, the same as yourself, that it's just a talking shop. They do it every year. It was in Glasgow last year. They just move on and next year... I'll tell you, friend, I'd love so. to get out. I'd say it was the greatest drinking session that ever was. That's what I would think, anyway. But uh, the toll's gone up, friend. Yeah, what, what do you make of it? 
an absolute scandal to think yeah. that somebody could be using a toll, we'll say, going up there, we'll say, in the middle of the country at uh, 50 cent a time for a rise, and that's that's a euro a day, that's a five or a, day, a, five or a week out of your wages again for the tolls. And the misfortunate lorries then have to, uh, like, I mean, they're uh, bringing goods and that to the cities and the countrysides and delivering here, there, and every place else, and they're going to be hit big time as well. And as a result of that, then the costs will have to go up in the shop, uh, in the shops. I, I honestly, but and the government then to come out and say that it was a complete surprise to them. Yeah, he said. Leo Varadkar said that the increases and the scale of them are are very unwelcome, and he's not happy about them. But he wants to make it clear that this came as a surprise to the government. Uh, and yeah, these are public-private partnerships, so you, you yeah. wonder how it could have been. A trying, do they not know what's going on? Have they not a bull's notion of what's going on? Everybody knows, friend, what's going on. Mm. Sure, uh, they're making fortunes out of that toll thing, and and I think they sold at that time to a, some kind of a Spanish or a Porti, Portuguese consortium that they couldn't even hold on to themselves. So it is a bloody uh, a, a printing license. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, they're getting five, if a hundred thousand cows go through a day as uh, between going and coming at a five or a day. That's a half a million a day. Well, they they gave the um, I, I was just trying to get my head around this this morning. They gave the contract to run the tolls to tourist mobility services, and the estimate is that they will make now. This is before tolls went up or anything. They will make three hundred seventy three million over the next fifteen years out of that. Out of that. God, Trent is frightening to think that. Isn't that you know, uh, it's unbelievable. And when one comes back, then I just wonder where all the money goes. I mean, like between taxing our cows and insuring the cows and uh, and everything else. Mm. Uh, and that, and you see the amount of potholes on country roads. It's frightening, know. you know. And then you're trying to pass NCT tests, and everybody, everybody is making a living off you. That's what I see about it. But nobody seems to give a bloody continental hold. Uh, and yeah, uh, but anyway, it's, it's one tax after another, and and uh, and all of that. You were listening to our dear Phil letter as well about uh, the lady in the changing room. She dropped her towel, and then she was accosted by another lady who had her young son with her, and said, "How dare she?" And what about decency and all of that? Did you have some thoughts on that, Johnny? Ah, uh, Jesus. I don't know. The whole country has gone bananas, isn't it? I mean, like, why have we only was hanging out of us? <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the case of that we have two of this or two of that, which two would be handy at times. But uh, I, I don't know, friend. Honest to God, above tonight, I say I was inside one of them saunas one time beyond. The, uh, it was in France or something. Oh, geez, years ago, when the saunas came out for. Yeah, mother of God, above tonight, there was this German board, and of course my glasses fogged up. But mother of God, Franny, you saw what she had. And I mean, really, you know, she only had, she only had what everybody everybody else had. But (laughs) Franny, I had to take off the glasses and put on the glasses, and I had not the shine. I mean, I was there, of course, Franny, the nip as well. Because it was recommended that we go in, that was good for us. But anyway, Franny, it was an all merciful fright. I said it to herself when I came home, mother. She says, what were you doing inside in that sound anyway? Yeah, yeah, a good question too. What were you doing? I was trying to lose a bit of God. Friend. <laughs> but anyway, I was in Bailey's friend uh, on uh, Wednesday night. I see the tip award there proudly on uh, display. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, a wonderful place. And on Saturday evening last friend, I went to the uh, uh, an anniversary mass there of Rini Kendi, the Lord Mercenary in Arbor Hill in yeah. between Featherton and Gillenall, Mike Lesley, and of course Father Jim. Father Jimmy O'Donnell was yeah. uh, uh, saying a few words, you know, and I met him afterwards and I said, uh, I must ask you something confidentially. I said, uh, are you hearing confessions and things like that? Johnny, he said, we had a meeting there about a week of all the priests, he says, and they'd love to hear your confession. 
But we had. Father well, Jimmy's had, a decent man, isn't he? A fine old scout. Fine you wouldn't need the likes of him. But we had jumped in. No, he didn't. But we had jumped into the village inn just to say hello to the lads, our friend. Tis ye of us since you were in the village inn. That's in, a in, long in, time. <laughs> And the same, and the same, possibly in late season. But he died when I was telling uh, uh, the what you call it was on last weekend for you, dear. That uh, we played cards above and thing, and of course I got our name wrong. I better get it right this weekend with a nine playing the other night, hmm. and, and, and I said Nell Fevenkorn, but it's Nell Meskel. She's married to Joe Brian. Ah, one right. Of, one of the all-time greats, and uh, of course, friend. I, she literally in the game of cards got up on me. If when I go into, when I go into my play and I did say to a friend in no uncertain terms, by God, Nell, I said just quick, you were to jump on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, oh, friend, Lord. Uh, the uh, sympathies, of course, friend to the family of the late Vicky Phelan. Yes, uh, yeah. Dear during the week, I mean, like it brought back a nice load of memories, and of course, also to our own TD Alan Kelly, who was part of uh, Vicky's huge campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, great friend uh, of hers uh, as well. Uh, 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 absolutely magnificent, mm. and uh, look, uh, uh, our sincere sympathies uh, to him. But uh, mm. uh, did your and, son and, have a birthday, Johnny? Oh Christ! I yeah, friend. I'll finish on this. It's that time of the year, the, mm. the November every year, and I know his birthday because the thirty-three years ago he was born. He was probably two days late. But you see, I was going to a Greyhound meeting up in Westport in County Mayo, and of course the Greyhound won on the Saturday and had to run again on Sunday, and she won again on the Sunday. And uh, we came back into the bridge house, and the whole downers, or Johnny Nagel, or some of them were playing, and they kept it going till about three o'clock in the morning. And, and uh, I arrived in home then, maybe uh, about four o'clock in the morning, myself to Greyhound, and Benny Gillespie, the lot of Melston was driving us from Cashel, and uh, dropped me in. So myself and the Greyhound and the cup down on the couch. And I suppose about five o'clock in the morning, the phone rang, maybe half. I told the mother-in-law, and she said, congratulations. Jesus, Mrs. I said, she was not. Nah. She said, it is a great occasion. So I said, it is a great occasion. I said, but look, she's walking. I said, five mile a day for the last maybe six weeks. She's as sweet as a fiddler. Now again, I said, she does a bit of a run above and Tommy Stack's horse race and gallops. And uh, that, and she says, uh, 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 I'll tell you this, Mrs. I said, as you were on, and this is confidential. I says, we're thinking of going again in about six weeks' time. She says, I know I'm one of your mother-in-law. She says, put it into the small bit soon. Not at all, Mrs. I said, you must strike while the Ireland's is hot and all of that. And she says, how is she? I said, she's flying it. I said, sure, she's here beside me. I said, my hand is on her belly and her legs are up in the air, <laughs> which they were, but right on and out for the count. So the next thing was, she says, when did she come out? I said, when did who come out? She says, Catherine. Christ, Mrs. I said, I thought of the dog they were talking about. <laughs> she said, well, fake you, Johnny Newby, in your bloody greyhound. I said, could you tell me? I said, uh, 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 what had we? And she said, a baby boy. So whilst he was two days late that time, he's actually two days early now. So if anybody out in Clareham wants to uh, con- heartily congratulate him, he's the vice principal in Clareham National School. And he's like our Lord, he's 33 years old this weekend, friend. <laughs> So I shall not forget the 19th or 20th of November for and, a long, long and your, time. And your, your poor mother-in-law didn't either, I would imagine. <laughs> no, 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 Johnny, no. it's always a pleasure. Look, look after yourself. Uh, and best friend, wishes to Shane as well, yeah. Right, because, friend, uh, I think that's about the the, 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 the lot, but, uh, friend, you might see me, please, God, in Tullus next Thursday. Okay, I look forward to it. What are we Thanks, doing in Perlis next Thursday? Well, try and go to the races anyway. What you're doing? Does cream buns there for your friend? Oh, I'll go then. I'll go. Somebody, somebody wants to know: Is Johnny Luby ever at home? 
Oh, Jesus, friend. Yeah, well, I'm at home now. Because <laughs> I've gone to mess and I hope that God she's not listening to this. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. <laughs> I, but I, somebody will tell her. I can guarantee you. Look I, after I, yourself, Johnny. I don't mind them telling her, but they will add to it. Yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. Good luck, Johnny. Good Bye-bye. Luck. That's the great Johnny Luby and his ramblings there. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Fianna Fáil TD for Tipperary, Jackie Cahill, has confirmed that he has been named on Vladimir Putin's uh, travel ban list. And uh, Jackie joins me now. Good morning to you, Jackie. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Um, how are you informed of this, Jackie? Uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs rang me um, yesterday evening. I actually only got to call, only got to talk from there this morning, earlier this morning, and they informed me that my name is on the list. Why would that be? Do you think? Well, <laughs> I didn't think I was that important anyway, Fran. But um, uh, I don't know. I would have been at the protest outside the Russian embassy there at the start of the war in Ukraine. And I suppose I'm chairman of the Giant Oireachtas Committee on, on Agriculture and it all. So, but I did use whichever list they used to, to compile to compile um, to combine the names. I, I actually don't know, but I'm one of about sixty um, politicians that are on the list anyway, Fran. And my understanding, Jackie, is that the list isn't being made available, but individuals like yourself are being contacted by the department. That's how they're choosing to do this. Is that it? Yeah, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Farming they would not be publishing the list. But there's no embargo on, on, on we stating that we're on the list. So um, I, you know, I don't, I don't see there's absolutely no harm in telling people. And I, I think it just reinforces the uh, complete intolerant attitude of, of Russia and what they're trying to do with Ukraine. Yes, is this of concern to you, Jackie? Actually, not really, Fran. I wouldn't, you know. Um, it, it just shows the complete intolerance of Russia, and you know, trying to deny free speech. But personally, being being on a list, being banned to go to Russia, that doesn't, that won't keep me away tonight, Fran. And um, it's of no consequence to me. But it just shows the complete intolerance of the regime there, and that they just anyone that is critical of what they're doing, they just want the silence. Right, but you didn't have any plans to travel to Russia anyway, I guess. I wasn't going to spend my Christmas holidays there. Like that. No, I suppose so. Are you concerned at all, though? Because more and more people are talking about it now, Jackie, that, you know, our, our independence, our sovereignty, all of that sort of thing seems to be uh, in question now because we seem to be throwing our full lot in with uh, Ukraine and, you know, it, it, some people doubting the, the wisdom of that, I suppose. Well, I don't know. You can never let an aggressor or a bully um, get their way, Fran. And that's what Russia is trying to do with Ukraine. I think, you know, we, we, if you go back in history and, you know, it's uh, dictators and aggressors, it always ended very, very badly. 
And I think the people of Ukraine, you know, they're they're entitled to their independence, they're a sovereign state there. And I think we wouldn't be doing our duty as a, as a sovereign state here if we didn't show their support. And if we go back over history, you know, these aggressors and um, dictators always had to be stopped in the end. And the only way, they, unfortunately, the only way they can be stopped is by is with force. So you know, um, it's it's a regressive situation. And we thought, you know, you know, with all the advances in United Nations and dialogue. I didn't think we'd ever see Europe getting into this scenario again, but unfortunately, it is in that war-torn scenario at the moment. And like I was at my co-op board meeting last night, and you're just talking about the impact it's still having on food shortages around the yeah. world and how difficult Ukraine is to get to get the product that they're still producing. They produced around 75 percent of their grain last year, even with the even with the war in in, in their country, but they're they're just not able to get it out onto the world market. So unfortunately, that's creating famine situations in different parts the world as well yeah it's, it's interesting and what are you, are you hearing back from you know farmers that they're they're having difficulty with us playing such a, a part in this war um are you hearing that back from from farmers jackie yeah input costs have risen dramatically um you know energy costs and you know the, the lack of once the product gets scarce obviously planet gets to you and, you know, hopefully that grain can get out of Ukraine in the next couple of months. There's another 12 weeks to allow the, the sea corridor operate out of Ukraine. So hopefully some of the merchants now, as we head into the high usage time of the year for grain, will try and get that grain out of Ukraine and get it onto the world market. But, you know, um, fertilizer costs, um, you know, have, have risen by two, 250, 300% in, in the last 12 months. So, you know, it is a huge concern. And, um, you know, it's having, it's having an impact on production and having an impact on production worldwide. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, if Russia if Russia decide to allow trade to resume normally, that those, those huge escalation costs might come back to somewhere near normality. But it is, you know, the increasing cost and the worry about the availability of product as well, like fertiliser, whether it will mm. be available next yeah. year, is a huge worry for farmers as well. And um, that would have a huge impact on our ability to produce food. Yeah, and do you think enough people are talking peace? I mean, every war has to end up in some sort of a peace deal, some sort of a compromise, something. But is there enough talk about peace, do you think, Jackie? Uh, possibly not, Fran, but it's, it, unless, it takes two to tango. And if you're going to have peace talks, both parties have to be willing to come to the table. And I don't think that's the situation yes, yet between Russia and Ukraine. And Russia are insisting on, on annexing part of the Ukraine territory. And I think it'll be very hard to get peace talks to even commence or be successful when that attitude is still in place. Yeah, I was watching uh, All Quiet on the Western Front uh, last night about the uh, First World War. And it just seems to me sometimes that, you know, we don't learn anything from, from history, Jackie. No, just as, that's what I said to you at the start. You yeah. know, Hitler was allowed aggress, you know, in, in the late 30s. And, and, and then it ended up in a terrible war to, to get get to get um sovereignty restored and you know um the the terrible the terrible crimes that he was committing on, on people in, in those countries whether it was you know Jews or you know gypsies whatever like the, the horrific Holocaust that happened during the Second World War and the amount of people that lost their lives and just in First World War was just the same an argument over territory and um, you know. I, I actually thought the EU had worked very well for a long number of years. That wars in Europe weren't happening, yeah. Fran. And, yeah. You know, I remember I remember being in in in, uh, in Budapest 
and it was the biggest thing they saw with the EU, the stability it gave it gave to them. That you know they were they were free from the threat of war and you know the you know Eastern Europe had a few awful wars there 25, 30 years ago. And that was the biggest um, compliment they could pay to the EU that about huge stability. Mm-hmm. And possibly if Ukraine had joined the EU, we wouldn't have the scenario now we have with Russia. Can I uh, just ask you finally, Dr. Mary Ryan spoke to us very powerfully yesterday about uh, the uh, Ukrainian refugees in the country and she was saying it has gotten to a stage now from even a medical point of view where we can't cope with any more numbers. Now I know the housing itself is a huge, huge issue but like, I mean, just for GP coverage, all of those kind of things, do you think we've reached um, what we can look after, what we can cope with, Jackie? You know, we have a, a, a serious number of Ukrainian refugees in the country, and as you know, they've started to build those model units in Torlis. And I have been very vocal, both on the educational front and the medical front. The resources have to be put in that, you know, the people of the town won't be at a disadvantage because of, you know, the, the amount of extra, extra people from Ukraine that's going to be in Torlis. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only one um, school in Torlis with this status. And, you know, the, you know, you're bringing in a lot of children that won't have English and will be attending those schools. And the schools will have to get extra services and extra and extra resources um, to cater for the, for those young people. And I've made that quite forcibly with Minister O'Gorman and Minister Foley, and I will be continuing to do so because they're going to be here in a couple of months' time. The construction has started of those modular homes. And the same, we were problem in Torlis as regards sourcing GPs. And, you know, people find it very hard now to get a GP yeah, in the town. Yeah. And um, this this is going to have to be recognised by the HSC that we, here we have extra people. There has to be extra resources put in place. And um, it's something I have highlighted with both ministers and we'll continue to do yeah, so. Yeah, but you, get, you can get GPs. In fact, to get a dentist in Thurlis now would be very difficult uh, indeed. How, how many refugees will be coming into that modular housing? Uh, 60 families is my understanding, Fran. 60 families. And, and when is that happening? Is it December? Yeah. The construction has started there and um, the site has been cleared. So you'd imagine that that won't take too long, you know, the services. I, I don't know an exact date, Fran, but I can't yeah. imagine it will take too long. Right. Was was there interaction with the locals there, Jackie? Yeah, there was. Um, you know, in fairness, there has been interaction there. It's a very suitable site for them. You know, it's near the town. Um, it's there just beside Skull Bay. It's a very suitable site. And um, these modular units, um, you know, will solve some of the housing crisis for the Ukrainians. And, um, you know, everyone's wish is that if the war finished, that the vast majority of the Ukrainians would, have, would be anxious to return to their home country. But as you said, that doesn't look like happening anytime soon. Right. You know what people are saying, of course, now as well. It's a pity that we couldn't sort of look after our own people as well in some way because there's a huge housing crisis for, for Irish people. Yeah, there is, Fran, but I think, you know, if you take the prairie alone, the Arctic is not target for social housing. And, you know, there is a lot of social housing being built in the county at the moment. So we are getting on top of the social housing issue. And as I'm on record as saying, we still have a problem with affordable housing, and that's something that hopefully we can we can, we can can address in the near future. But we are building social houses, and there's hamlets of houses being built in a lot of villages, a lot of towns around the county. So the county council here is getting their social housing built. But, you know, when people, you know, when people see the Ukrainians coming in and... Um, you know, and in fairness, the vast majority of people know that they're coming from a war-torn country and are coming here under pressure. I had a mother, I had, you know, a family that took in Ukrainians the other day. Uh, they had a Ukrainian grandmother and daughter, grandmother and granddaughter taken in. 
and we just had to start out, start out school transport for them. But they said they were so relieved to get out of the country. They were, you know, they were so frightened of their lives. And the grandmother fled with her granddaughter, and you know, was in the house. And um, the child is only six years of age, and had started. They were starting uh, in, in the local school, and the, you know, the family that had taken them in just said the relief and the, the you know the anxiety that was taken away from was immense. And I think, you know, we can't underestimate that too, that what we are doing for, for, for these people, you know, can't be measured in monetary terms alone. And most people would agree with you on that, but there is a limit, I suppose. Do you do you agree there's a limit, Jackie? Well, look, we have only a certain amount of resources here, Fran, and if we can't get proper accommodation uh, for Ukrainians coming in, uh, they can't be left on the streets. So I think we have to make sure that we have, you know, education and everything else for these young families that are coming in. And as you say, I think we have to stand back and assess. We have over 60,000 in at the moment. I think we have to step back and say, yes, that's all we can take for the moment. And, um, you know, and, and look after, look after properly, Fran. You know, it's important right. that when these people come in. So and do, you, do you think this is it? 60 plus thousand, this is what we can cope with. Is, is that it? Uh-huh. No, I think there has been ongoing assessment, you know, of the situation. And as corners, those, you know, people get settled and maybe get work as well. I know some Ukrainians that have come in, they have got jobs already and they've, they've gone and got their own their own um, accommodation. And are working with, you know, have really embedded ourselves into the local communities and are working. And I think you can reassess the situation then, you know, when families that have come in have got jobs and got off, got their own accommodation and, you know, have really settled into the community. So I think it should be an ongoing assessment of what we can get so far. All right. Jackie, thanks for your time this morning. I'm sorry you won't be able to spend Christmas in Russia, but you're, there you go. Thanks, Jackie. Bye bye. You know, that's uh, Tipperary. Fianna Fáil TD, Jackie Cahill speaking to us today. We'll take a break back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, Donald Trump's announcement uh, of his uh, running again for the White House comes when he is probably in a weaker position than at any time since the immediate aftermath of the attack by his supporters on the US Capitol on January 6th. Polls suggest that Trump is still the most popular figure in his Republican Party, but in the days following the midterm elections, uh, several leading Republicans have contended that it was time for the party to move on from the former president. To talk to me about this, delighted to be joined now by lecturer, political scientist and author, uh, Anthony O'Halloran. Good morning to you, Anthony. Ah, a very good morning to you, friend. And, and I believe there's all sorts of breaking stories happening. You're, you're having a very busy morning. A very busy morning, indeed. Poor old Jackie Cahill won't be able to go to Russia for Christmas. Well, so I'm, I'm just hoping now that you're going to send on on, on my radio interviews to the Kremlin. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm hoping you and Emma and Addison will do that especially for me. I, I, th- I, I think it's to... it's a very sought after list uh, as well, far as I, I can, can tell see. you. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're my full permission now publicly <laughs> on radio to do so, sir. <laughs> I'll I'll go along with that, Anthony. Oh. What what do you, what do you make of it? Of course, he still has to be nominated. But what yeah, do you think uh, of, yeah, of yeah. Trump's uh, announcement? Look, um, I, I have to say I, I disagree fundamentally with most of the public discourse around that this is the end of Trump. Mm. It is not. And yes, I, I think he, he he has at least a 50-50 chance of winning the primaries. But, as you know, friend, I like stats, so I went back to the stats for the last presidential election, and there are five revealing stats, and you and I went through these before. Mm. This is what matters. 
Um, in in Georgia, uh, uh, Biden just won by by point three percent, point four percent in Arizona, point two percent in Pennsylvania, point six percent in Wisconsin. So, friend, for four of the five swing states, I mean, this is incredible. Now, if you just pause and think about how many votes are cast in the United States, mm. Mm. Uh, the range is from point two to 0.6 of 1%. So tiny percentage. Yeah, it's, yeah, so, I mean, you've got to factor that in, and you've got to factor the electoral college model in, which we have discussed at length mm-hmm. uh, previously, mm-hmm. uh, which means that he doesn't have to win the popular vote. So I would, I would caution people, notwithstanding the very, very good outcome for Democrats, notwithstanding that the news networks now seem to be casting him aside, mm-hmm. uh, uh, notwithstanding a, a very, very strong public commentary that he is finished, I strongly believe Donald Trump still retains the capacity to mobilize uh, what is called the base. So I would say he's down, he's not out. The midterms were a severe blow. Mm. The midterms were not a fatal blow. So I, I think, this, in, in, in summary, the case for his... Um, I suppose, uh, political debt, as it were, has been way overstated in the days um, after the midterms. And you mentioned there about the the midterms. I mean, those he endorsed in the midterms didn't do so well. Was no, that no, not no, an yeah, indication uh, of... Yeah, yeah. Look, just, I mean, I have notes here, friend. Uh, you can go pro and con. That's a really good point. The other thing, which is a really good point in terms of the health of American democracy, um, people were... Uh, uh, mixing their votes for different parties on the same ballot. So by, what do I mean by that? It would be like an Irish person, friend, voting for Fianna Fáil for a Dáil deputy and voting for Fine Gael for a local county councillor or MEP. Now, that's a good sign because that means then that people are being nuanced and that they're reflecting deeply um, upon the vote. Yes, so, I mean, you, you can put a whole host of cases, and I've, I've been reading a lot of op-eds over the past number of days, and those cases, um, and the commentary, yes, you can say it's persuasive, persuasive, you can mm. argue that, mm. uh, but his demise, I, I can honestly say that his demise is significantly overstated from my point of view, and I will keep going back to the nature of the electoral college system and saying to our listeners this morning, just think about it, point two to point six of 1% spread. But there's a, like, those are extraordinary stats. Of course. Uh, the the only difference now, I suppose, is well, there's several differences, but all of the legal stuff that's hanging over him as well, will that not play a part in this? Yeah, there's five. There's five. I, uh, uh, five. I, I've, I've sourced five this morning. Mm. Uh, there's, there's, I, I made a note of three of them. There's the Georgia election um, inquiry. Uh, there's the classified documents inquiry and there's the January 6th inquiry. I'm no expert on the legal nuances of these cases, but I have read that his legal jeopardy is more severe in terms in terms of the Georgia election inquiry, which was his, his attempt over apparent attempt to overturn the Georgia vote. So he's in legal jeopardy in about five cases at the moment, and you're quite right. Uh, but he seems to have had a capacity all his life uh, to, have, to be able to circumvent, yeah. to be able to draw, yeah. to be able to draw out, he will of course use those cases uh, to paint himself as a victim of the system that the Democrats, um, uh, that the federal government.
trying, they will try to get me through the courts in an illegitimate way. So every every week uh, point, friend, that you and I will rightly discuss around Trump. Trump, as you know, you followed it very closely too, uh, will flip it the other way. And I would say the other thing, uh, for mm. Ron DeSantis, mm. um, for any candidate going into the boxing ring uh, with Trump, you have to remember, and it's a big decision for some to do it, even in terms of one's their family life, uh, Donald Trump has no boundaries. No, and he says he has stuff over DeSantis, didn't he? he has... Yes, and he will use it. And, will, and, you yeah. know, I, I read a piece from The Atlantic now, an email from The Atlantic there a week or two ago, and an excellent point made by the contributor. He said Jeb Bush, like a, a, a moderate Republican, uh, Trump apparently insulted uh, Jeb Bush's wife. And Bush, uh, he, of course he was upset about it. And the normal thing you do in those circumstances is you, act, you ask the other person to apologise mm. and to withdraw. I mean, yes. you, you just don't do that. You don't insult the, the, the spouse of a candidate, friend. So what, what did and, and the Atlantis, uh, did, rather the Atlantic uh, commentary said, uh, what, what did Trump do in those circumstances? He stood there and smiled, not an apology. So the rules of the political game, when you get into the game with Trump, are entirely different. Well, uh, DeSantis is an interesting one because he's Trumpian in terms of his policies and the like, is he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, he's, 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 he's a, I, I think he's, um, he's, he's very adversarial. Yeah. He has been described as um, a culture uh, warrior. Uh, but I, I think what people are pointing out to is the extent of his recent victory. And he seems to be enjoy, certainly enjoying some traction amongst the Republican commentariat and probably from liberals mm. who want something approaching to a normal Republican in the field. Yes, but, I mean, he, 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 he would be a culture warrior. Like, uh, But it doesn't matter. I mean, the one thing we've learned over the past few years, Fran, is Trump turns conventional wisdom upside down and inside out. Uh, it doesn't particularly matter what the op-eds are saying across the country. It's whether when he goes into Michigan, when he goes into Illinois, uh, whether he'll fill the stadiums with tens of thousands of people. Yeah, it's interesting. It, what is the, the legalese around... I mean, if he is nominated, uh, he, he's, um, he's legal stuff. Will that be cast aside at that point? No, no, well, I mean, from what I understand, I, I mean, I've, uh, my understanding is that he, he has no... He is no formal installation uh, just because he's a candidate. Now, having said that, um, I suppose there's always this distinction between the euro and de facto. I'm sure that the nearer it gets to the election, and if you are in the lead, and if you are highly competitive, you then have a de facto political situation um, whereby prosecutors might have to make a decision at that particular time. So you have a kind of a, you have a curious situation. You have I suppose what's called the kind of the official legal environment, but then you've got, uh, you know, how how does a, a prosecutor behave in a prudent way, uh, given the politically toxic nature of the United States? So my understanding, friend, is that he doesn't have any formal insulation. Uh, that is not to say that he would not be able to drag on some de facto insulation, particularly if he got to the primaries, and particularly if he were very very strong post primaries. If he were to go the whole way and become the next president of the United States, I'm wondering how would he deal differently, or would he deal differently, with Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. 
it's funny, you know, uh, is in the world of funny players. I, I was asked this question precisely in my sitting room last Sunday week, Fran, okay? <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I watch you. A friend, a friend, a good, a good, a good, um, um, a, 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 a good, a good friend of mine um, from California asked me that very question. And I, I, I think there's there's two 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 ways. One way of looking at it, um, I, I, he wouldn't have been as engaged as Biden is. And he certainly um, would not have been as measured as Biden is. I mean, I have memories from a few years ago of what many of my friends in the States consider to be an appalling press conference. I think the location was in Helsinki and Putin and the, ex- the extent to which he was sycophantic uh, towards Vladimir Putin um, at, that particular, um, at that particular press conference. So I, I would say Biden, to me, Thankfully, this week, by the way, friend, in light of the Polish incident, Biden to me has been measured. He's been calm. Mm. And mm. He's been trying to manage the politics domestically, and he's been trying to respond to the to the Ukrainian government. Yes, but of course, he's not given the Ukrainian government everything everything they want when when they ask. So I, I, I think it would be a very, very different approach, you know? Wouldn't it? And, of course, Trump's issues with NATO, for example, as well, would, would make it all the more interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, but Trump's, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but uh, of course, I mean, I'd love to send them over to a country like Estonia at the moment, a population yeah. of 600,000 people, and um, ask them their views about NATO. And, uh, I mean, it's very, very easy for any Irish person, I would hope, to understand why tiny countries like the Baltic States uh, are on the side of yeah. NATO uh, yeah. because of their historical uh, uh, experiences. And will you give me two seconds to say one thing which of I forgot so. to say at the beginning? Yes. Do, do you mind? Of I course. Know we're, no, no, I know no. we're, we're always under pressure for news. No, you, okay? you're welcome, Anthony. What, yeah. what do no, you want no, to say? Because no, you asked me uh, there a good few interviews ago about the, the one and only previous president who was elected on a non-consecutive basis. In other words, uh, uh, he, he, he um, was elected the first term, uh, lost the second term, and then won another term. Yes. And as I said, there's only been one president ever who has done that. And just to say for the benefit of your of your listeners, he was the 22nd and 24th president of the United States, friend. His name was uh, was Grover was Grover Cleveland, um, and his terms of office were 1885, friend, to 1889. He, he lost and he went away, and he came back for 93 and 97. And he was the only president to be married in the White House, and he married a lady aged 21 called Frances Fulsom. My God, is that incredible? Yes. But there's only been one. So right. in, in all of United States history, I suppose, to, to, in, in terms of the, the bigger picture, there's only been one president ever in the United States history that has won non-consecutive terms. Right. And that's why, that's why Cleveland is both the 22nd president and the 24th. Uh, president of the United States. So, that's, so just to put that on record, that is the gentleman who is the one and only uh, non-consecutive president. Isn't that president. very interesting indeed? But the main thing to take from today is don't write off Donald Trump. Perhaps. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, as I said, the pro- I, he would at least have a 50-50 chance in the primaries. Um, and to see what will happen, I think, once he gets into the race, if he is still capable of general dynamic, of, uh, of generating a dynamic, mm. uh, the reality then is uh, the networks might start changing their minds again. My understanding is that the New York Post, for example, has gone totally upside towards Trump at the moment. Yes, e- even uh, Fox are getting uh, And even yeah. Fox, yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm reading. Yeah. I, I would, however, say 
if you generate that uh, mass mobilization at grassroots level, for example, across the Midwestern states, uh, they're going to have a rethink. Uh, why are they going to have a rethink? Uh, because they will, they, will, they will be looking at their listeners, viewers, and readers in the stadiums. Now, no guarantee that he can replicate. Um, he's older. Uh, reports from Mar-a-Lago are saying that he's not planning much, uh, that he's very standoffish, uh, that people are finding, finding it difficult to get him, uh, I suppose, to focus, which is nothing new. Mm-hmm. So, there, uh, you know, friend, I mean, I, I would say to your listeners, like, I fully, fully, fully um, accept... Um, fully, fully accept that there are pros um, and, and cons on both sides. But I will say my, I suppose my uh, ultimate position is, yes, he's down. Uh, yes, yes, he's uh, not out. A severe blow, but no one will convince me that the midterms are a fatal blow to Donald Trump. All right. Anthony, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, Anthony. Thank and, you. And um, a, a very good morning. And um, get that letter on to Moscow for me. <laughs> It's on the way. It's on the way. I have the stamp ready. That is uh, Dr. Anthony O'Halloran there, lecturer, political scientist, and of course, uh, uh, an author as well. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gabriel Mahagat Pants and uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Now, toll charges on most toll roads around the country are to increase to their maximum level from the 1st of January next year. Uh, The price hikes are linked to the current rate of inflation, which has increased by 8.6% between August 2021 and August of 2022. Paddy Cummins is Head of Communications for AA Ireland and joins me now. Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Good to talk to you today. By your own admission, you're saying these increases are significant, particularly, Paddy, at a time when motorists have been hit with high fuel prices. Prices. I think the timing of this is is one that really is hurting people and is getting on people's nerves today. And it also seems it's getting on the government's nerves as well because they have been out saying, um, you know, we didn't know about this. This caught us by surprise and we're not pleased. Uh, Thomas Lever Adker standing up in the doll yesterday and, and saying just that. So it does appear that um, this has, been, has happened without the government knowing. But look, this is probably, you know, we'd be probably naive to think that this is, won't happen if we do public-private partnerships and if there's inflation and it, it looks like, you know, the, the, on the positive side, the road network is much better than it was before. Uh, on the negative side, this is likely to happen. However, and a big however, is that I think the M50 is the one that really irritates people because whatever about other roads across yeah. the country that have been improved, the M50 is the one that we have time and time again talked about it being Poorly planned, badly executed, and, and still a mess. And that's for certain. Um, uh, Leo Bradcar is saying, though, that he thinks there will be engagement between the government and the TII about this. Is that giving an indication that it might be reversed in some way, or is this inevitable, do you think? I, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to have the crystal ball, of course, but 
there was a sense of irritation about that yesterday. Yeah. And they, um, you know, maybe it's something that will come back because uh, it, it's very unlikely that you would see, you know, someone like Thomas to come out and say that with, with such a degree of irritation almost mm. without potentially something happening. So, so we can be hopeful. Now, look, in the grand scheme of things, you know, does it, you know, it won't make a difference to some people, it'll make a huge difference to others. Um, but commercial people in hauliers, I think, are going to be probably the worst affected by those increases. But the, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's 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 not the you know it's not the people in Dublin really who we should massively feel sorry for who have lots of different alternatives. But if you don't have another option, yeah. it's just another charge, it's another tax. For sure, I I trying to get my head around this uh, public-private partnership and who, where ownership lies in the stuff. Have you a full understanding of that, Paddy? I don't. I would never claim to be an expert on it, but I, I, generally there, there should come a point where it's handed back to the state. Yes. And in, in lots of other countries, you, you know, my other half is, is Croatian and we, we go over there quite a lot. And she explained to me that there comes a point where, and I've seen them myself near, you know, outside Split where there's a a toll booth shut because it's been paid for. So I'm just, it's just, you know, beggar's belief that we don't tend to see that happen here very often. So it should, in theory, be that, you know, it's funded up to a point when everything's paid for and then um, we go on a merry way. But it doesn't look like that happens here so much. No, and part of the claim is, of course, upkeep. Now, there is considerable upkeep of a motorway um, uh, infrastructure and it would be very costly. Does that hold any water for you? It holds water for me, and you know I've heard some commentators saying you know it doesn't it doesn't add up. It, it does add up to me and to us to a degree. That you know you and I would not have really dreamt about the condition of the motorways. You know I'm old enough to remember motorways twenty twenty five years ago, yeah, sure, and, and they were just non existent yeah. or awful. And we are in a much better space there. And you know for the for the creation of those and doing the upkeep of those, that's that's fine. I think the M fifty one is the one that just irritates the hell out of people because it, you know my father was a journalist here. I remember him telling me about the, the the day he went to the launch of the M50 and, and everyone saying look this thing is, a, is not big enough it needs to be wider yeah. and uh, it didn't happen so um, that's a strange it's a strange one that it, it, it was never planned right in the first place and it's just been a series of messes since then yeah, and, and the operation, I mean, you mentioned the M- M50 there, Paddy, and the operation of that toll system there is handed over to tourist mobility services, and seemingly they will make $373 million over 15 years out of that. The, thing, the road's been paid for multiple times over. We we, we know we know that. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. $140 million last year. Um, it was the, was was how much it made. So, you know, there's no doubt that it's uh, it's been, it's Washed its face plenty of times over, but you know it's 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 there's no there's a there's no sign of that changing anytime soon. I think. Yeah, wouldn't you wonder as well? Just finally, Paddy, wouldn't you wonder that they didn't figure there would be a huge outcry? But how can people be so removed from the reality of the cost of living at the moment and energy prices? I, I think I think there was probably no time for them to do this, and they just said, right, okay, well. We'll stick it out there, but maybe you know, maybe it's one of those things we might see reversed, and it gives us the opportunity to try and look benevolent. Say, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna actually come down and and, and do our bit and give something back. But uh, but no, it was, the timing was just awful and ill-conceived. All right, Paddy. Well, thanks very much indeed. And uh, just just before I let you go, what what is your instinct on this? Is this just going ahead, even though Leo Bradker is saying that there will be some uh, consultation? I can 
I can see it come back, and I can see it come back, and maybe not, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle. Um, uh, just uh, just a level of irritation from the government. And I just don't think they would have said it without it being something they plan to crawl back on. All right, Paddy, good to talk to you and thanks for your time this Take morning. Care, Thank brother. you. Bye bye to you. Now, that's Paddy Cummins there, who is head of communications for AA Ireland, 1800 938 007. How do you feel about that, uh, by the way? Are you in business and uh, will those uh, toll increases affect you greatly? We'd love to hear from you. You can talk to Emma on 1800 938 007. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie And now uh, some uh, Trump, Donald Trump fans on to say, Fran, all the people have to do is look at the state of America before and after Donald Trump. Trump all the way, it says here. Uh, Billy is in Clanmel. He says, fair play to Trump. He is pro-life. And as a country, Ireland cannot complain about human rights where the World Cup is concerned because abortion was legalised here. It's hypocritical, says uh, Billy. I think that's mixing quite a few different topics there, Billy, but thank you very much indeed for that. Um, Joe says, will you tell Jackie Cowell that we cannot look after our own properly with housing and health? So he's talking rubbish. Uh, like the rest of uh, the government, uh, people are getting sick of the whole circus. It says here, somebody else saying, uh, we saw in prime time the way there's trouble with groups of single males walking the street and intimidation. And, uh, yeah, okay, right, lots more coming in on that. I'll have a glance through it and I'll bring it to you in just a little while. Now, uh, there's a call for public support for the cost of living protest that's happening in Nina tomorrow at half past two at the train station there. And to talk to me about this, I'm joined by Damien O'Donoghue, who's a member of the Cost of Living Coalition in North Tipperary. Damien, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you again. I'm good to talk to you too, Damien. It's interesting we're having this discussion in light of my previous discussion about, you know, now the tolls, it looks like they're going up and going up um, very much as well. It's tough on people, isn't it? It's very tough on people and it's getting worse. And, you know, the the real stories are are pretty bad and we hear them a lot. You know, now it's all around the country, obviously, it's not just in our tip, but... um, I'm very unhappy with it. Uh, the Cost of Living Coalition has had protests all over the country trying to highlight this. The tolls is just another, it's, it's just another charge for people. And, uh, you know, we, we would also have water charges of 200 euros a month too if we hadn't stood up and protested against that uh, back about seven years ago. So it's important, I think, that people come out, show their support for the Cost of Living Coalition and tell the government that we're not happy with this and that it's unacceptable. What are you hearing from the people you're engaging with, Damien? Uh, well, there's, I mean, look, you've had stories yourself, friend. There's a lot of poverty around. There's more poverty than people realise. Social Justice Ireland estimates about 1.1 million of the Irish population now live below the poverty lines. That's over 20% of the population. And that's not just people who are unemployed. It's also people who are working, low-paid workers, pensioners. You know, it's across the spectrum. And um, it's, it's something that... It, it, <sighs> I hear stories myself. Look, I'll give you an example. I work in the food bank in Nina uh, every second Thursday, and we have about 150 families in the Nina area that get bags of food 
just to uh, keep them going until the week is out. So that's 150, and they're only the people that are coming to the food bank. There are many, many more. I often speak to people who might have six euros left until the end of the week for three or four days. People who don't have any money. There's, there's pensioners in Nina today who are going to heated places in town, whether it be libraries, cafes, pubs, just to uh, stay warm because they would not be able to afford to, re- to heat the house all day. So this is, uh, yeah. you know, that's, people know that and it's going on every day and I believe it's getting worse. And the government would probably say to you, look, we're doing our very best with this. We've thrown some money at it. We've given double payments for child uh, child allowance and all of that sort of thing. Does does that, you know, we've helped out with energy in as much as we can. We're looking at other issues too. That's what they would say to you, Damien. Is, yeah, it, is he, it enough? I, I welcome the, the temporary budget measures, but they are temporary. And someone said to me during the week, it's akin to putting a plaster where surgery is required because you get your 200 euros for electricity, and then it's gone, and you're back to where you started. It's all temporary measures. And like, I do welcome them, and I know they've helped a lot of people, and I know someone yesterday, a good friend of mine, who got the food allowance, I think it was 400 euros, mm. and it would go a long way. You know, they're able to fill their oil tank. So they are welcome, but there's a lot more they can do, because we're a wealthy country, Fran, and I think we can do more to insulate our population, because there are a lot of people struggling. Gotcha. No, but, I can give you a few examples. Yeah, uh, but but do. just you might answer another point for me because again, it's been said by the government that they cannot completely buy the way out of this situation because it's influenced by by global issues. Well, they would always say that everything is insulated or everything is um, caused by global issues. But like yeah. I say, we're a wealthy country and we can insulate our population. I just things we could do tomorrow. Like what? So, for example, we could scrap the carbon tax. And like we we need climate action, there's no doubt about that. But I believe that the polluters should pay. I don't believe that that Mary living in the corner has to pay 45 euros for a bag of coal. Mm. You know, I I I think that a windfall tax on energy companies is something that um, is essential because the the obscene profiteering and the price gouging that's going on from them is is, is disgusting. And even the Tories in England were talking about a uh, windfall tax. You know, I mean, mm. that's, that's not a radical idea. But if you, if you can tax them in such a way that it doesn't profit them to keep... I mean, their, their profits are in the hundreds of millions and they keep going up. And their shareholders are getting wealthier. And it's me and you who end up having to pay more. Like, this is unacceptable. The government can put a windfall tax on these energy companies. Another thing they can do is they can increase, increase the state pension. Now, I, it might sound a bit mad, but I'd like to see the state pension go up by about 50 euros a week because I see how people are struggling to manage with it. Like, I was part of a COVID response group here that we set up during the pandemic and we were bringing around food to people in shop and you know when, when um, they couldn't go and get it themselves mm. but that led to people calling me who needed food to manage right and and, and I'd, I'd be in agreement with you that pensioners mm. would need that but we couldn't sustain that I mean you hear already the difficulty going forward of dealing with pensions there will come a time when we might be able to pay out pensions the way we're doing so now yeah but I think I just if pensions is, is an area I think that's so important that it's critical. that you, I mean, There's plenty of ways to raise money. Like I said, a windfall tax on energy companies would pay in the long term for an increase. And have you done the sums on that, how much money that would generate? Uh, well, it depends on how much you tax them and it depends on how you tax them and how you do it. But there's hundreds of millions again because if you just look at the profits, even a small tax on them would easily pay for an increase in the state pension. I have no doubt about that. I don't have the figures in front of me exactly. Mm. But, um, you know, I get it. Like we have to, obviously, you have to be some way... Uh, fiscally prudent and everything else but I, I, I believe that our pensioners who've well they've worked all their lives you know they're a certain age and they're cold in their houses and it, yeah. it, it really bothers me and I hear ministers on the television 
talking about go to your community welfare office go to St. Vincent and Paul yeah. it turns in my stomach because I think rather than tell people what to do when they're in poverty do something to tackle poverty in the first place I remember Sandra Farrell telling me and you were involved in that food bank there that mm. it may surprise people to know the the kind of people that need help from from the food bank yeah well. it can do yeah yeah and Sandra does great work there uh, in fairness to her, and she's been doing it for longer than I have in the food bank but um yeah, it would surprise you. Yeah, there was, there was a man there recently um, who was... He just just landed. He would never go to the food bank usually. He was landed with a gigantic electricity bill and he was emotional at the door. And He didn't want to do it, but he had no choice. And it would surprise you who was there, yeah. Um, it's it's difficult for... I, I think the poverty and struggle, is, is I think, is more rampant than people realise. Who are you expecting to turn up tomorrow and how many people are you thinking about. Oh, how many? I don't know. I mean, there could be anything from 50 to a couple of hundred. I'm not, I'm not really sure how many. You see, we're not there. natural protesters, Damien. Sure we're not. We're not, no, no. But people often say to me, why don't we have a protest in Mina? Uh, you know, you usually have to go to Dublin or Limerick for a protest. Uh, so we're going to have one now, tomorrow, and I hope people show up just to, to send a message to the government. But they, I'm not overly concerned with how many turn up I just want to go there. Uh, whoever wants to come, everyone is welcome, as I said in a social media post during the week. Mm. And, um, you know, we're not natural protesters. We're not like the French, mm. Irish people, that, you know. But we did protest for water charge, I think it was 2015, and there was a big protest in Nina. I remember being at it. And I think the big the protest in Nina, I remember before that, was the one against the scandalous closing of our emergency department. Yes. So, yeah, yeah but it, they're not that common. But tomorrow is a chance for people to, to, to march with the cost of, coalition, uh, the cost of living coalition and uh, show their frustration with the way things are. Who, who will address uh, those who turn up? Yeah, so um, Martin Brown is going to speak to TD. I'll speak myself. Uh, we have another former TD who might speak, and I'm just waiting to hear back from the unions today uh, about which speaker they're going to send. So we, we have a few speakers, but it won't go on too long. Like, it starts for meeting at the train station and have to... I'd imagine it'll be done by, you know, half three-ish. It won't, it won't go on for too long. Mm. So is, is, such, is, it, is this a Sinn Féin-led protest then, Damien? Uh, not a Sinn Féin-led. I mean, the Cost of Living Coalition, it comprises of about over 30 different organisations, trade unions, rural Ireland organisations, students' unions, independent TDs. So, but I, like, I am in Sinn Féin myself, as you know. I've spoken to you. Mm. I ran in the local elections here. Um, yes. Probably running again, but I'm just one of uh, there's a broad spectrum of people who who uh, will be there and who are involved. Right, and everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome from all walks of life, and so, uh, it'll be great to see. And there's no, you know, it's not going to be all about a political party. It'll be about highlighting these issues and hoping that it, you know nationally it makes some difference and uh, measures are taken to ensure that the struggle is uh, eased for people. All right, so it's half past two tomorrow at the train station in Nina and it will go on for about an hour or so. Damien, yeah, probably, yeah. We, we, we'll check in with you on Monday and see how things go. Is that, is that, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, good to talk to you as always, Damien. You Thank too. you. You too. Take Thank care. you. Bye-bye yeah. to you now. Damien O'Donoghue there talking to us uh, from Nina this morning. So it's half past two tomorrow at the train station in Nina. 1800 <laughs> If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. 
Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back to Tip Today. Now, Cashel Choral and Dramatic Society sadly uh, announcing that their upcoming production of Say Cheese, which was due to run from the 24th to the 27th of November, must unfortunately be postponed to the spring of next year due to unforeseen circumstances and they want to apologise for any inconvenience caused there. And I'm very sorry to hear that we were speaking to Governor Long about it uh, during the week there. Um, so this is sad news for a lot of people. I'm sure great disappointment out there as well. But those who've already purchased tickets online from Rubaru will receive a refund in due course and those who purchased uh, tickets, uh, physical tickets that is, can return those tickets for a refund from their point of purchase and uh, probably Odewar's Pharmacy on the Main Street in Casual or indeed Brubaru as well. So for more information you can contact 87 I beg your pardon, 87 1409 or indeed Cashel Coral and Dramatic Society at gmail.com. Somebody was kind enough to send me uh, the front page of the New York Post that has uh, Trumpety Dumpety on it and a great lampoon there of uh, Donald Trump. And uh, okay, lots more on to us. Uh, about Mr. Trump as well. A lot of support for Mr. Trump, I can tell you, in uh, Tipperary. So there you go. All right, Andrew joins me, as he always does, on a Friday. Good morning to you, Andrew. Morning. Good morning. And uh, today it's the winners and losers of reality TV. And this is in light, I suppose, of uh, the fact that I'm a celebrity yeah. is currently running. But there have been winners and there certainly have been losers. Oh, man, it's been crazy, hasn't it? So listen, I suppose we'll talk about Matt Hancock uh, in a while yeah. because all eyes on... Matt Hancock, who's in the jungle at the moment, and there's a lot of uh, controversy about that, and why is he there, and that kind of thing. But then I thought I'd look back at some of the previous ones that people might remember, and some of the big ones, really. Uh, Jay Goody. Uh, do you remember all that going on? That I poor, do, poor lady yeah, has, she, has, she has died. She died of cancer, yeah. Uh, Jay Goody and Shelpa Shetty. Um, big Brother, the racism controversy uh, relating to... And, of course, what happens is when they're in the Big Brother house, when they're in in the jungle as it turns out they don't know what's going on outside that's they, did you realise that that they don't know so this big scandal was happening outside the Big Brother house and they don't know they don't know wow so they're kind of making they could possibly be making things worse for themselves and all that um, this listen this was spoken about in Parliament uh, this was spoken about right across the world uh, what, what year are we talking about Andrew? Um, it was 2007 2007 okay. 2000, which yeah. can you believe was that, that long ago mm. 2007 Channel 4 Big Brother controversy relating to instance and racist behaviour uh, by contestants it was the fifth series of uh, Big Brother and the controversy basically centred on the comments made by British contestants Jay Goody and there was these two girls were in there too who, who weren't quite as bad but they laughed along and they didn't make things better so you had um, oh, whatchamacallit Daniel Lloyd and Joe O'Mara um, and Shel- Shel Pichetti who I thought at the time and I don't remember do you see clips of it I'm sure you like me and you didn't watch it all the way through no but she was very dignified, um, beautiful lady, and you an know, Indian lady. Yeah, and yeah. didn't want, didn't want. She was from, she was an actress, wasn't she? I think she was an actress. Somebody will correct us on that. Mm. I'm sure she was, but she obviously didn't want the conflict and the arguments and all that. And it was horrible. It was just horrible. And the screening of these comments on the show resulted in a national and international media debate, responses from the UK and the Indian governments actually at the time, and the show was uh, suspended. 
uh, during the 2008 season. Wow. Yeah, it was actually suspended uh, the year after until they tried to get their uh, ducks in a row and tried to fix it up and make sure it never happened again. Matt, and of course, as, as far as the celebrities now, whether you consider them celebrities or not, and a lot of people say that mm. they're not really celebrities. Anyway, many agencies and corporations actually, they they culled the contracts with, with many people. Like Jade Goody wasn't getting any work or she might have been promoting perfume or whatever the hell. They lost all of that. They lost all that kind of stuff, the people involved in it. Um, there's a little clip of the... Yard. Now, I have to tell you, I had great crack trying to get a clip where, you know, the language wasn't too bad. Yes, but yeah. So it was a lot worse than what you're going to play, but just give you an idea of what happened. You know what? I don't need to dignify this stupid, stupid argument. It may be fun for you, Jade. Caused by you, because you said the only thing you ordered was upside cubes, which is oh, an out please and out shut up. Out and out Shut lie. up. No, no, you shut up. You shut up. You might be some princess in fucking Neverland. You're a normal housemate like everybody else. Everybody else. And you need to come to terms with that. And don't lie. Don't lie about things. Why come and say the only thing I ordered was oxo cubes? Why lie? Put your glasses on. Go on. Go in the diary room for another eighth time. Go on. You're a liar. You're a liar and you're a fake. You're a liar. I'm not a You're not in Neverland, dear. You're not no princess, dear. You're normal. Who's you are normal, Silka. And learn to live with it. You are normal. Wow. You see, and uh, it's worse than that. Wow. It's worse than that. Because I couldn't put in the racism stuff. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't subject but, people to that. But what I'm amazed at is, I mean, this is edited, isn't it? I mean, are um, No, I think it went out live. Yeah. No, I think it goes out live. So, you see, they should have stepped in. Yeah. They, 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 Channel 4 should have stepped in. Right. Um, a lot of the racism stuff, I, I couldn't put in there as I'm repeating myself, and I wouldn't mention it. One of the things she called her was a papa dom. Do you know what I mean? Right. Do you know that kind of thing? Yeah. Now, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm sorry that Jay Goody has, has, has died, and I know she had kids and she passed away when she was very young, but man, what a class act, like. What yeah. a class act. So that was one of the big ones. They, they all came very badly out of that. Um, after the show, Goody stated <clears throat> that uh, she, she was wrong and she went on to apologise for it and all that, but uh, I, I didn't do her any good. And she yeah, was sick just a short did. time afterwards. Yeah, so, uh, indeed, yeah. But she sounded like a great fish. Oh, really... man. Oh, man. Okay, uh, on, on George, to George, George Galloway. Galloway. Yeah. Do you know this one? Uh, no, I didn't because uh, I, I know of him in recent yeah. times, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. George Galloway went on Big Brother. <laughs> pretended to be a cat. Uh, <laughs> pretended to be a cat. So the, the crowd from the television show gave them, gave them things to do that they right. thought would make good telly. And one of the things that they were asked to do is pretend you're a cat. So he was there with, uh, with a different lady on the show. She's rubbing his head and all of that. People know what George Galloway is, I'm sure, do they? For, former MP, yeah, I suppose. The right. mother of all talk shows now mm. and all of that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he's all, he's always kind of in trouble, isn't he? He's always kind of well, has. Well, he sets out to kind. He of. does. He does. He does. So research actually revealed when I looked this up just yesterday that one of the golden moments, or they looked up golden moments that made viewers squirm the most. This uh, topped it. Absolutely topped it. The Scottish uh, politician topped the list for his unforgettable purring, whisker wagging moment. The former what? MP appeared. Yeah, this is Big Brother the year previous. Uh, I should have already started with this. Yeah. 2006. The unforgettable moment saw him imitating a cat by crawling on all fours, purring and... Pre- now you have to see the video. I'll send you the video. <laughs> like it just, it doesn't work on radio. <laughs> purring and pretended lick cream off the hands of the actress Rula Lenska as part of a task 
while she stroked his head. According to a survey from over a quarter of a million people saying that was it. That was the cringiest moment ever on TV. Full to the brim of imaginary milk, George plants his head in her lap. She's stroking his head. She, I, I can't even read any more of that. She doesn't... <laughs> I'm sorry now. I had planned to read. I can't even do that. Do you want to play a clip of it there? We better do just oh, to save your God. blushes. That's, I, I can't believe that. Yeah. Okay, have a listen. Here comes the bit we've all been waiting for. George's defining moment from Celebrity Big Brother. Now, would you like me to be the cat? It was just disgusting. It just gave me the creeps. It was just like a shiver all down me. It was gross. I honestly felt physically ill. Good girl. Good girl. Now look at me. It's got cream all over your whiskers. It was so awful on so many levels. And again, just tinged with that. Why is he doing that? Why is he not thinking? What does this look like? I honestly thought, thank you, George. Thank you. I could never have destroyed you the way you have destroyed yourself. <laughs> Good God almighty. I, I have to look you at You have that. to see it. I'll send it to you. Anybody listening, if you haven't seen that, you have to see it. It doesn't work as Good well on the radio. Good oh, pussycat. it's 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 I tell you one thing, it's bizarre. Like, was he an MP at that time? I can't. Was he still an MP? No, he wasn't. I don't think at the time. Oh, okay. I don't think he was. Um, because it would have been a whole lot worse if he was. Yeah. Um, some people might remember that. It's just uh, so. Like, look, a lot of these. I mean, I could have done loads of them. Um, Barry Moore was on it at the time that he was on it. I think um, talk show host um, says first name for me, Barry Moore. People know him. Swimming pool instant in his house. Oh, gee. Mike, Mike, Michael, Michael Barrymore. Uh, no, Michael Barrymore. Um, who I thought was great on the telly. Uh, he, now, he didn't come off too bad on it, but um, I'd look, I, it's, there's a bit of a risk. But she looked, there's money involved. Mm. You know what I mean? I think, uh, did Pat say to me that Boy George is getting half a million or something? Oh, it's more, even. Is it? Uh, I think it's more. Is um, it? Yeah, it's a lot of money. See, the money is you know, tempting, yeah. isn't it? It is, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, and with his history as well, you'd wonder. But I know, anyway, I know, look. which they asked him about the other night. Oh, did they? They did, yeah, they did, because he, he did some time in jail over that. And yeah, it's, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so it brings us to Matt Hancock. Yes. Um, this yeah. is the one everyone's speaking about at the moment. Um, look, everybody probably knows who Matt Hancock is, just if you don't, British politician. He yeah. served uh, in the cabinet as uh, Minister for Health. During COVID, he broke his own COVID rules. At the time, led led to a scandal. He was married with kids, but he was caught. Now, I'd love to know actually who sent it into the Sun newspaper or whatever. But he was caught embracing and kissing um, an advisor. Yes, to the they, there was footage of that. As there well, was footage of it, video yeah. footage or, or yeah. photographs or something like that. So the government guidelines allowed intimate contact between people. Um, from a different household only on the 17th of May. I won't go into all the mm. details of that, mm. but basically he broke the rules. He breached it. And on the 25th of June, Hancock said that he had breached the social distancing guidelines and in these circumstances he apologised. Of course, Boris stepped in and said, yeah, that's it. Uh, it's fine. Uh, forget about it. You made an apology. But sure, he stepped down uh, himself. So this month, after announcing his involvement in the reality television show, I'm a Celebrity, which you're all watching and you know he's on it, um, his party whip was withdrawn. So hence that he's now an independent now in the House of Commons. But people are, people are really raging 
mm. uh, that he's on it. You know what mm. I mean? I think I he expected know. to get a cabinet uh, yeah. uh, position from Sunak, and yeah, you know, yeah. But he's got a peak. He did this. He's got sorry. a he's got a book out, hasn't he? As well. Yeah. So like he's mm. obviously trying to cash of in. He is. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and of course, what a lot of people are doing is that you can nominate people to do these things. Um, do you know the kind of <laughs> right. these horrible things that they do out there? Everybody's nominating him. Right, so Everybody's they, nominating. They're getting him. their own back. They're getting their own back yeah. on him. Um, first piece of audio there with Hancock one. There's just a clip of him being asked in the jungle why he got involved. And everybody's really nice. Yes. Yeah. You know, nobody's trying to be spiky, are they? Which is. Were you nervous about him? Uh, not, not, not really. But it was on the worry list. So why did you do it? Why did it? Yeah. Why are you here? Because. There's honest truth is because there's it's there's so few ways in which politicians can show that we're human beings. So I just thought that'd be it'd be good to see that. And I like you know, I've got a sense of adventure. So you kind of want people to see you for you? I hope so. Yeah. Well that's him. Yeah, that's him, Matt Hancock. You can't be so. And and how are people feeling? I mean, they want to keep him in there to see him do all these exactly. horrible things. They get their own, but that's playing into his hands as well. It's playing into it? his hands. And look, the makers of the TV show. I mean, you know, they know what they're doing uh, to get the likes of him in there. Um, he's kind of taking the shine off everybody else, even off Boy George, who you'd have to think is the biggest star in there. Mm. But uh, it's a, it seems to be all. Are you watching it by the way? I'm not really. Are you not? Do you know what I mean? Just to be honest that. with you, do you know what I do? I try to watch a bit of it because I like to talk a bit about it in the mornings because yes. I know a lot of people love it. And well, I, like, I just I, wonder how Boy George is getting on in there. What's his he seems to be getting on. He seems to be getting on okay. Now, I think the other night he was questioned about that incident. And yes. it, people are kind of wondering what that is. And I'm not completely across that. But I think did he, <laughs> did he handcuff some there guy to a, to a radiator, uh, to a radiator in his yeah. house and he yeah. left him there? And he came back and he mm. left him there and the stuff. So he did, I think he did four months, four months in jail yeah. and he did some community service as well. I remember all that going on. Mm. Um, very straight. He didn't like being asked about it. Did he? Honest. No, he didn't. But sure, what, look, what did he say? Or did he... I, I just think I, he, they do a kind of a diary room thing there. Now, I, I think he was, he, he spoke about it and he said, you know, a lot of the newspapers, it wasn't true. Somebody said it was the handcuffs thing. He said, that was true. Uh, but this didn't happen. This didn't happen. They said this happened. That didn't happen. But, you know, right. I've, court, I've, I've moved on from it. decided that it did. Yeah, I, I know. But I don't think he was denying a lot of it. But he, it, it was, well, he said it was sensationalised. Right. But you could say to yourself, well, it is sensational. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? How could you sensationalise it anymore? Yeah. So, look, he, he has had that going on. If you're going to go there and you're going to be on the telly, you've got to be asked about it. I mean, Hancock is been asked about the COVID thing. I mean, you're going to be asked about it, and that's it. And they're yeah, going to they're going so. to um, they're going to put you through well, I mean, the that's, ringer. That's what it's about. I mean, that's going to get the ratings, and that's yeah. I mean, to be cynical about it. You have another piece from Hancock. Yeah. So look, obviously, a lot of people are up in arms over it. Um, someone I like and you like too. Uh, this is James O'Brien and LBC just talking very quickly about Hancock. But five minutes after he's in the jungle, and I'm bent double cringing. I, I can't watch this. This is awful. It's not even that he's being bullied. It's that he's, oper- he's, in- he's inhabiting a reality that's just alien to everybody else. Even the other people in the camp are, I mean, st- a curious mixture of disgusted and outraged at the fact that he's there. A mixture yeah. of disgusted yeah. and outraged. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Did you have a favourite over the... You see, when this started, first of all, I mm. used to watch it. In fact, it was the only re- uh, reality TV thing I, I watched. Yeah. And I, the season with David Guest in it. Oh, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Lisa Minnelli's a husband, but he had great one-liners. He's very witty and very 
Yeah, he um, he's had a lot of work done, hasn't he? He's a lot of um... oh yeah, sure. He looked completely reconstructed, looked, didn't in some he? Way. He did, didn't yeah, he? yeah. But there was a lovely line he had. He saw a snake, and he said, uh, "Were you at my wedding?" <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. One one of Liza's many husbands. I think yeah, she she had quite a few back in the day. Uh, I he asked me if I got a favourite. I, I I did enjoy Barrymore on on Big Brother mm. because I like Barrymore and. Yeah. Um, you know, you could get into the whole thing over why, why he's career, and we all know what happened and all that. Well, there was a body found in his pool. There was a body it? found in his swimming Probably pool. Right, um, yeah. He was he was married with uh, kids at the time. Uh, he hadn't come out. He was a gay man, and there was a party back in his house. He had nothing to do with um, this guy's passing. It would appear, because this is all out there, it would appear the guy had too much to drink, yep. uh, drowned in the pool, Big scandal at the time. He was uh, Michael Barrymore was the big star mm. back in the day. Like he mm. was the well, great, great TV oh, guy. Oh man, know, he was really? he was fantastic. So yeah. like everything, everything just went to, you know, went to pot uh, basically when that happened. But he was very good on it. And I, and again, you kind of got a bit of an insight into his life and how things, how the things affected him. Mm. And he didn't get work after it and all of that. That was kind. Of, I found that a little bit uh, interesting from from a human point of view. So I liked him on it. Yeah, uh, I have to say. Ant and Zach, they do it brilliantly. I mean, it's light old stuff. It's but, very light. But they uh, do, I think they do it very well. Yeah, Ant McPartland's uh, birthday today, I think he's only 48. God, they've done very well, haven't they? Well, haven't they? Um, so there'll probably be cake uh, in the jungle uh, tonight. <laughs> um, just a few more quick ones. Okay, so we've, we've done that. I, I spoke to Alison last week about this, and I have to mention it again. Uh, I'm sorry now to be repeating what I said last yeah, week. No so I spoke a little bit about the Crown last week. Mm. And I had said that I'm speaking about this but I know nothing about it but I can't not speak about it if we're speaking about stuff on the telly because season five is out and it's huge and everybody's speaking about it and I said to Alison I'm sorry but I don't know a whole lot about it so Alison filled in some of the gaps for me and then she said to me I think you love The Crown mm. she said you should check it out and I said I don't think so and I said I just don't have the interest in the royals and mm. all, all that kind of thing and she said no I think you'll like it so I am on I'm nearly through episode or season one uh, since this time last week, and I'm loving it. Like I can't, I can't stop watching. I'm the same. It. I can't stop. And, and that's the reason I'm saying it yeah. to you because I said it to you yesterday. I think yeah. we mentioned the crown. You said that you're yeah, stuck I'm, into I'm it. I'm obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. Now, I'm a little further ahead. I think you're I'm, a little further ahead. I'm where me. Charles went to Gordonstone. And, right. Uh, but it's it's just it's it's difficult watching at times. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a bit grim. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but it's so well oh, done. It's so well done. And can I just say to people that haven't seen The Crown, and if you're listening in going, ah, the royal family, and sure, why would you be... It's, it, look, it could be anybody's story. It's just so well mm. done. Isn't it? It's very, oh, very brilliant, interesting. Oh, well done. But I end up going looking up things then. I did, as I do as did well. You, did you do that? I said, I did it about... Um, again, I apologise to people who don't know what we're speaking about, but I did it about... Um, um, Winston's uh, painting. You, you've gone past that, haven't yes, you? The painting I have yes, I have indeed. Yes. And it being burnt yes. and, and all that. Yeah. And I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say that because that's fairly, that's it's, out there. Anyway. Yeah. So I had to look that up and see if that was true. Yeah. And, and it is true. And, 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 and for me, I didn't realise the relationship with uh, Jackie O, Jackie Onassis. And, I haven't got and, to that. And the Queen. And I won't yeah. do a spoiler okay. on it, yeah. but it's very interesting. I had no notion of it. I looked it up and actually, actually yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's true. Yeah. And you always got the feeling that, that Prince Philip was a bit of a bio. Yeah, but he, he nasty piece of stuff. Yeah, uh, at different stages in it, wasn't he? He was. Uh, 
He was, yeah, but he was so uncomfortable in that role all his life, I think, really, you know, at the, at the back of it all. But uh, uh, but it's great. Uh, I, I'm very, very surprised I'm enjoying it uh, as, as much as I am. I really, really think it's uh, very, Barbara very was on to us, Andrew, to say uh, good morning to uh, Andrew and Fran. I watched all Big Brother. Oh, my God, Jade, that poor woman. She yeah. was just horrible to watch. And um, that pleb letting on to be a cat made me sick. I watched <laughs> all through lockdown, found it very uh, head-wrecking, not nice people, regarding I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Matt Hancock is not a celebrity. He's a pleb and should never have been put in. He should be working by George uh, to win for me. He's a lovely man, very honest, and he tells it how it is. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So it looks, mm-hmm. some people thinking, boy, George might come out victorious. Yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that he might do well. Chris Miles is in there too. He was Radio 1 DJ for many years, works with XFM now, I think, in anyway uh, yeah. that's where he's working now doing Brexit and he's in there too and he comes across like a really really nice fella actually he comes across pretty good in it now again I'm saying to you I don't watch a whole lot of it I dip in and out because yeah. I like to be able to know what's going on just for the show in the mornings but by George is doing pretty well he's the big star but you said he's getting more than 500,000 how does it work its way down then so I mean I some, some of them are getting a lot less how does that work I don't know maybe maybe somebody out there can find yeah. out for us or give us a give us yeah. a text where this is concerned but I know it's a considerable sum of money here's the thing Thing, right. Like, uh, they won't be rushing to ask you or me to go in. But would you do it? Nah. No. Nor me. <laughs> no, no. Not for any money. I wouldn't go up to Galtys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I particularly wouldn't go up to Galtys. <laughs> no, I was having Patty the bit of this during the week. I was saying about things that, that, that scare you and things you have yeah. fear of. I can't deal with snakes and I can't deal oh, with rats. No, and too, I... I just, I, I honestly, I, I admire them when they do that kind of stuff because I couldn't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Would, would you definitely not? Uh, definitely uh, not. Absolutely not. Not for any money. Well, really? I, you see, if I saw a snake, I'd die anyway. Well, I'm like so that. Would be just, Are snakes your big thing as oh, well? that's the big thing for me, yeah. Even in my, my recurring nightmares and stuff. Right, yeah. okay. What about so, eating stuff? Uh, no, no, Jenny Mac, no. Sure, my is too uh, left shoes. I couldn't sort of eat that. No, I couldn't. <laughs> Patrick was on to say that... Um, uh, the lady we're referring to, the Indian lady, uh, Shilpa. Shilpa Shetty. Shetty. She was a Bollywood actress. Yeah, but that's... I was, go, was, I was that saying, and I, I was looking yeah. for the word Bollywood, yeah. Well, Patrick yeah. thinks it was all blown out of uh, proportion and what context. Is? And the, the, the Jade Goody thing? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't think so, Patrick. I don't think so. I think it was pretty horrible. I think so, too. Um, at the time, and look, there's been changes uh, since. But isn't it, gas that just... I don't know when all this started. You said you remember it being the first one. Um, you know, what do we ever do without reality TV? I mean, would you be a fan in general, would you? Uh, no, and no, I can't watch it. No, I definitely no. don't watch Big Brother. Absolutely just, not. I, I just I, I feel uncomfortable watching it sometimes, yeah. you know. All right, Andrew, good to see you. And uh, thanks very much indeed. And um, we'll talk to you next uh, okay. Thursday. Uh, Andrew, with you every morning from six here with Good Morning Tipperary. Uh, Mary Lynch was on to say, Fran, will you mention the Dance for Motor Neuron Disease tomorrow night at the Scouts Hall in Nina? It's nine to 12 and dancing to Brian McDermott there. And Mary, I hope you have a, a very successful night. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. We'll have our Friday panel in just a little while, but a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, first of all, just to remind you that uh, if you're into uh, songwriting and singer-songwriters and all of that kind of thing, do make your way along to the Monk's Pub in Thurless tonight because Whistle This is happening there and it's a great platform for new artists and artists who want to uh, try out new work. And there's uh, several people performing tonight, including poetry, would you believe so? It's going to be a great night out at uh, the Monk's Pub in Thurless tonight. Okay, it's time to do this. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie. And uh, Geraldine joins me to play Match 3 in association with Stakelum's. Good morning to you, Geraldine. Good morning, Brian. And how are you today, Geraldine? Good, thanks. Good. Well, I'm delighted to hear it. You know the story. If you choose, I a, do. Yeah. If, if you choose a box and it's already gone, I give you another opportunity. If uh, the next one is gone, we have to say goodbye. Is is that okay, Jeremy? Oh, that's okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you know the score. Then I'm going to ask you for a number between one and ninety. And sixty-six. Sixty-six is Let's see what the story with that is. Now, 66, Geraldine, is a Google Nest hub and it's worth just slightly under €100. Euro. Is that OK? That's OK, So that's yeah. your, your, your first one. So give me another number. Um, I have to... to um, wait now, Google Nest hub. I have it written down here somewhere. That's OK. You take your time, Geraldine. No problem at all. This is... Geraldine having a look through her notes. She was clever enough to keep track of all of this, you see. Google Nest Hub, 26. 26. Let's have a look at number 26 and let's open that box. Ooh, Geraldine, you're doing well because 26 is also a Google Nest Hub. So well done. You're you're doing extremely well. You just have to get the next one right. Give me another number. Um, 65. Let's open that one. Let's see what the story is. Geraldine, you're a winner. You're, you're a winner. You're a winner of a Google Nest Hub. So well, well done to you. You've been keeping track of all of this, obviously. Um, some of them now, not all. Okay, mm. well, listen, yep. that's fantastic and congratulations to you and we'll be in touch with you where this is concerned. Would you like to say hello to anybody as you're on, Geraldine? Um, anybody that knows me, especially Paddy from Nina. Very good. And whereabouts in the county are you, Geraldine? Um, I'm in Kilkenny, Tullerone. You're in Kilkenny and tuned our way. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. Well, I'm we're... a cheap woman, though, living in Kilkenny. Ah, well, we'll forgive you everything then. No problem whatsoever. Geraldine, yeah. such a pleasure and congratulations to you right, and well done. Thank you. Okay, well well done. Bye-bye, Dosh. That's uh, Geraldine Harrison there, who is a tip woman living in Kilkenny for her sins and all of that. All right, it's time for our Friday panel, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Liam Brown, and Liam's a very frequent panellist, community activist, and uh, Mary Alice O'Connor joins us now, and uh, Mary is a local historian, among other things as well, and we're awaiting a visit from Mark Small to uh, very soon, but uh, good morning to you both, and thanks, thanks Thanks for coming in to Good us morning, uh, Good morning, today. Um, 
A deadly explosion in a Polish village close to Ukrainian border, likely caused by Ukrainian air defence system. There's no indication it was a deliberate attack. That's according to uh, NATO. However, Ukrainian President Zelensky says he believes his military people that it was, in fact, a Russian missile. Now, it does indicate how a miscalculation, a mistake, or indeed a deliberate action can trigger a situation that most of us don't even want to contemplate at this point. Liam, do you want to take this? Um, were you very concerned? I mean, I was terrified when I heard about that first, when I didn't have the the details and the facts. Well, obviously, when you heard it first, you're thinking, oh my God, is this going to escalate? Is this it? Yeah. A lot wider conflict than it is. Um, kind of a strange one, actually, when you think about it, because I think last Friday we were celebrating the fact that the Ukrainian army had gone back into Kherson and pushed the Russians back out of out of uh, the Kherson area and retaken the land. And then by Monday, we were talking about Russians starting a, a World War Three with NATO. I mean, it seemed crazy, all right. Um, funny enough, the, the missile that was launched or that landed in Poland was an S-300, former Russian munition. So it was it was stuff that was left in Ukraine by the Russians. So by the Russians. It kind of seems funny that they're still fighting each other with stuff that's been left for the last 20 or 30 years. It's unsurprising that we might have some mistakes like that. But that's the real danger mm-hmm. in the air at the moment. I mean, if you're using old munitions that have probably been in warehoused for 30 years, we're not sure if they work or don't work. They end or, up or the accuracy of the them. The accuracy suppose, of them, yeah. exactly. Then, and then, look, I mean, who cares about the accuracy of a missile? They're deadly no matter where they land. Yeah. But, you know, I mean... It, this thing lands inside a NATO country and now it escalates from uh, two countries in a conflict between each other to one where 27 countries or 30 countries involved in NATO and I'm sure the Russians then will start invoking the uh, the, the alliances that they have and suddenly it's, it's almost like 100 years ago when World War One started. You know, you had a lot of sabre rattling on mm. both sides with small conflicts in Europe and then, you know, the, the, the murder of... Archduke Franz Ferdinand, a small European royal in a, in, a, in a small city in yeah. Bosnia at the time, triggered into World a... Con- War I, you know, huh? that yeah. 50, 50 million people ended up dead afterward. Like. And I mentioned earlier on today, I was watching All Quiet on the Western Front last night. I started to watch it, at least I didn't finish it. But do we learn anything? I really, I, I really don't think we do. Honest to God, I don't think we do. Um, we've been here, we spoke about this before, and... Definitely myself and yourself, Fran, have consistently said there has to be peace talks. Yeah. Why, are we, why are we still talking war? I, I, I don't know. Why, are, why isn't there peace talks someplace else? Why isn't there the two sides <coughs> sitting back and saying, like, we've been at this for eight months. Yes. And I think the, 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 the frontier has moved about five to 20 miles. It hasn't moved at all. But, but thousands, thousands of are people dead. are dead. Billions yeah. are spent. And every war has to end in some sort of compromise. Some it, sort and, of it, and it will. And it, I mean... We're going to speak, uh, I think, later on about the the diplomatic crisis Mm. that this seems to have caused in Ireland. Nobody knows better than the Irish Mm. that there has to be a peace, there has to be peace talks. Like, if you go back to the troubles in the North, there was initial peace talks in the North in 1971. You know, very, very soon after the the trouble started in in Belfast in 1969, Mm. 1970, you know, it could have been sorted out in 1971. It eventually got sorted out in 1998. Was was that Sunningdale back then? No, no, Sunningdale was 1976. This was was five years before Sunningdale. This was long before Sunningdale. This was before Bloody Sunday. This was before it exploded into into a a, a much bigger thing than it did. You know, 3,000 people ended up dead in in the north. In, In Ukraine and Russia, it'll be a 
vast, vast multiple. Yeah. It'd be 300,000. But, but there's a question, before we go to Mary Alice, there's a very interesting thing that I can't get my head around here. We know the value of the Good Friday Agreement. Absolutely. We know the value of peace in this country. Yeah. Why aren't our lads Th- that, talking peace? You know, it, it actually really annoys me in the fact that some of our, our own leaders and some of our own politicians, they seem to want to escalate it. They seem to want to join NATO. They seem to want to send out... There's a, the Fine Gael Ardish is on this weekend and there's a motion at the Fine Gael Ardish to send anti-armour piecing weaponry or anti-armour uh, armor, um, protections to the Ukrainian army. And first of all, that, that would be against our own neutrality. It would be getting involved in, in, in a war that we should really be looking for peace talks. We should be the ones putting our hands up and saying... You know, come to us and we'll talk. Mary Alice, history is, is your thing. Uh, what, what are you making of all of this? Well, I think like, like Liam just said and you said yourself, I was really frightened when I heard about the um, incursion into, into Poland. Poland yeah. I really did feel. And I think when we think about it, the war has been going on for about eight months. Have we all got lulled into a little bit of a, uh, you know, when it started we were all fearful, we were watching In, yes, the news and all of with that. It, yeah. And then things become normalised so quickly yeah. in our own minds because, yes, we see the Ukrainian people coming in here as refugees and we talk about that and all the rest. And then do we forget maybe the bigger picture? Do we feel as a country that, like Liam was saying about, about us maybe leading peace talks, um, do we feel that we're not we're not large enough in the overall scheme of mm. things? Who's going to listen to us maybe? It's like the 50 diplomats being uh, uh, or sorry the um, the Irish politicians yes. who are on the the list yeah. the infamous yeah. list yeah. and and we sort of dismiss it and say does it matter mm. like which probably in the overall scheme of things it doesn't right. Jackie already said this morning he's not going to lose any sleep over it and of course he's not but um, yeah I think it's funny because we're in the middle of something where we're talking about the civil war, which mm. happened in yeah. Ireland 100 years ago. That lasted for 11 months. Again, like Liam said, he's right. You have to go to the table sooner or later. Yes. And when I see it on the television, I see the country being, apart from the debts, obviously, mm. which is the major thing, um, you see the country in ruins. It's been you raised. Think, when, yeah. this, when this mm. finishes... We're going to have to start. There's going to have to be money. There's going to have to be infrastructure has to be restored. Um, imagine the civilian population um, having no heating and 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 no running water and all of that. Look at what they're suffering, particularly the elderly people in that country who have chosen to remain or mm. who have to remain. And so I spoke to Andrew Last, a Tipperary man. Uh, he's in Kiev at yes. the moment. I spoke to him on the programme yesterday. And he said that, okay, it's going to become very cold. That's the nature of Ukraine. Uh, But he said there's great resilience there and people, you know, are still up for it and they still believe passionately in what's happening with the army. I I think, yes, obviously they do. Yes. And and, uh, but I suppose in all of it, we have to remember something else as well. In all wars, there's a lot of propaganda. And now with the advent of social media and all that goes on, you know, Fran, you'd be hard put to know what to Absolutely, believe. Absolutely, yeah. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I suppose it was telling that President Biden came out so quickly to 
cast doubt on and to calm yes calm things yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I what, think that what, was significant. What do you make of the fact, Liam, that uh, President Zelensky then saying that he believes his military people, uh, who still make out that it was a Russian missile and it was a deliberate attack on Poland? He's a funny character. Um, I'll be absolutely honest with you. He's a very funny character. Um, if you go back to, like, we're talking about the conflict being on for eight months. I mean, I've said this many times already. This conflict has been going on for eight years. Yes. Do you know, yes. I mean, the Minsk agreements were signed back in 2014, 2015. And basically, Zelensky was one of the people who pushed out the the Ukrainian president at the time who signed those agreements. And he seemed to want this, you know, he seemed to want this war. He seemed to want conflict in the Donbass. Um Mary Alice has said there about propaganda, as they said that the first, the first, um, the first victim of any war yes. is the first truth. Casualty, yeah. Yeah. First casualty of any Churchill war is the said, truth. Yeah. Mm. It's very hard to believe everything. I mean, and you can go on social media and you can find whatever you want to yeah. back up your own side. If you if you want to take the opposite side, you can find somebody who will take that view, and then you can right. quote them as yes. being your source. Now you're saying that, that Zelensky wanted war, but I mean it was Russia who imposed mm. themselves on a sovereign country at the end of the day. Well, you see, I, 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 I find myself in a funny position here that saying that Russia imposed themselves on a sovereign country. There was an agreement between two sovereign countries, which was Ukraine and Russia, that uh, the Donbass, Kherson, and can't think of the third area that they were to have a certain amount of independence um, within Ukraine, but that they were entitled to maintain their Russian culture. These were Russian-speaking mm. people. Mm. Unfortunately, if you go back to even World War II, I mean, World War II started over the Sudetenland, which was a mm. German area yes. inside the Czech Republic. There's always, we have it in Carrick Bay and Carrick and Shore, there's always certain areas of places that are, yes. are um, conflicted amongst each other. But, like, the Minsk Agreement was signed... And neither side, almost almost a week after, neither side just they, they threw it out the window and started again. So until we get to, like I said, some sort of peace agreement where we can get people to sit down. And Zelensky, apparently, he wanted peace talks himself back in February before they started. He did. But, mm. but then suddenly he gets billions of hardware and military and, and, and yeah. money to start a war. So off he went. So Mark, he's a kind of a funny one. Mark Small is with us and we've given him a moment there just to catch his breath. How are you, Mark? <laughs> good, Thanks. good. Sorry, I apologise for my tardiness. Thank you so much for coming into Not us today. Um, we, obviously, we're talking about uh, yeah, the situation yeah. in, 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 in uh, Ukraine and that explosion in Poland yeah. as well. And, yeah. you know, the fact that we were all scared. Is this going to escalate and what the story is? And considering yeah. what Liam has been saying, yeah, yeah. Th thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I was out of the country um, and I kind of very limited, my daughter was hidden on Twitter um, when we heard about it. And um, there was a lot of concern because I was at a big international trade show. And there was an awful lot of concern with people there from, you know, from yes. Eastern Europe um, and, and people who were kind of, who were, who were involved. And, and then I was some Ukrainian people who, who I was with as well. And there was huge concern that this was going, because we, we heard that night. And of course, then, I mean, as everything happens, suddenly yes. it becomes a talking point. Yeah. Um, and the Ukrainian um, uh, guy who I was talking to was really concerned that this was was start, was start of a major escalation. That's what we all were concerned about. But then, lucky enough, it appears to be or okay, it appears to be a um, anti air an, an anti missile mm. missile that that actually went mm. awry. 
Even um, though Zelensky disagrees with that. Yes, he does yeah. disagree with it. Yeah. But I mean, it would seem it would seem to be the most logical, particular yeah. um, version of it. I mean, I I do agree with Liam in certain respects. Is that there's you know there's propaganda on all sides, mm. but I have to strongly disagree with him in relation to the aggressor. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. In in every shape and form, Russia is the aggressor here. Mm. Um, but any you, the, would, you would accept that. Though, I, I, ex- I accept it, but I don't think it's as cut and dried. No, it is. I think there is there is only cut and dry in this respect, I believe. Well, if you go back to the Minsk agreements, you know, before Zelensky was in charge, and there was an agreement between the Russian uh, Federation and Ukraine as to where the, the three semi-independent, if you want to call them, republics within Ukraine were going to be. But there was also agreements there about whether or not Ukraine would in the future join NATO, about whether there would be... But there was no intention of Ukraine joining NATO, but the big thing was, I mean, Russia just went in and took Crimea. I mean, that was... I mean, they went in in 2014 and took Crimea. But why wasn't there a big hullabaloo about that at that time? Well, I think... I think... I mean, my my opinion at the time was, I think, and this is maybe going back a bit to... Um, I mean, I have a lot of time, and I always thought that uh, Barack Obama was a was a really good overall president. But I think if you look at his history in relation to it, he was very weak in Syria when they started using chemical sure. weapons, which yeah. he said was a was a red a red line. line. Yeah. When Russia went into Crimea, there was sort of a he backed off again there. So I don't think he was that strong. I think what happened this time was they went in with such basically to overtake um, uh, the whole of Ukraine. That I think that was a big shock to the NATO Eastern Bloc countries like mm. Poland and that. So and therefore that's why I think there was certainly a thing right here and no more. The problem that you that I see with where we are now in it is that uh, Russia clearly is you know people are talking about they're regrouping and I think that's probably a thing that they're doing. They've retreated to regroup. They're on they're on a a natural they're on a natural uh, river border at the moment. Um, they are very afraid of losing Crimea because that gives that's the basically access to the Black mm. Sea and the Russian fleet. Um, if I, I do mean the way the way and certainly to talking as men and I have I have quite a number of, of uh, Russian friends who 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 would be in, who would know a lot about some of these areas that they believe that the view of Putin is oh sorry the view of Putin is that. Um, the view of Putin is that is this is only the start. So Crimea is the first step in reunifying Russia, um, which is which is which is hugely frightening, because the next step then clearly is going into into the likes of uh, the other eastern eastern right, bloc but, countries. But that won't be allowed to happen. No, it won't. But say, I mean, and that will result in Russia being annihilated. Yes, but he, but I don't. I think he sort of their feeling is that he's nothing to lose. I mean, his his view. I mean, he has. If you think about what he does, I mean, he wanted Ukraine because his 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 kind of uh, main view was was that Ukraine was the heartland of 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 the Russian mm-hmm. yeah. and and certainly he's he's got a lot of support from the Russian Orthodox Church, which was which was initially started up in Ukraine. Century. This is very frightening, Mary Alice, isn't it? I mean, when you when you hear that, that's that's scary, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, because I suppose um, for us lay people living in rural Ireland. Yeah. We're we're trying to follow, I suppose, to some extent what's going on and like I said earlier, we're not sure. You right. know, are we? And we're And historically it's very complex and there's yes. huge complexity there. And yeah. it's it's hard to get our heads around it. That's isn't right, it? Yeah. yeah. And and I suppose we have to think what the consequences for us as a small nation are. 
as people. Yeah. Um, if it were to escalate, what would happen? You know, Absolutely. if, some, if somebody how, pressed a red button, yes, it would be goodbye. You know. And how do you feel? And uh, Liam alluded to it earlier on as well. I mean, it looks like our neutrality as well is sort of up for grabs in some way. I mean, does that concern you? Well, it does, but I think that um, because we're aligned with the EU and mm. we're we're mm. tied in, what can we do? Mm. What you know, we've got to. Well, we're a neutral country. Well, know? no, we were never we were never neutral. We yeah. were always neutral on the side of west of Western yes. powers. Yeah, we were never neutral neutral because there's, yes. it's not possible. Right. To well, be with, neutral with what's been happening in Shannon, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, me allowed. I mean, so I mean, I but, think people talk about it, neutrality in a, in a, in a way that I yes. think is is a bit of a idealistic way. Yes. Well, it is, but we don't want to see our sons and daughters marching off. Um, you know, to yeah, fight no, I mean, a war I think, for smoke. Yeah. I mean, that's the essence of the neutrality. I think most people yeah. speak about. I mean, I understand. I mean, I, yeah. I don't necessarily think that Ireland as a country should be um, necessarily joining NATO, but I think we should be supporting NATO. But I don't think we but should we be do joining support them. What's the point? If you're, if you're going to support them, why not join them? Well, then, I mean, again, for the very reason is that necessarily, I think, as a population, we do want to ha- see our, our, our sons and daughters yeah. go to war. But I think we can support them in, in like we are doing. We're, we are providing um, equipment to NATO in certain aspects mm. of it, which no, I agree non, with. Non-lethal. Non-lethal, yes. Yeah. But I mean, again, we don't... I'm confused but, about, but... But I we know. don't really... I mean, I mean, we could send a couple of spud guns, but like, I mean, really, I don't think it's going to be much much uh, good. I don't think we have any art, serious artillery and stuff like that. But I think it is the, the moral support. We I think where we can be really successful, I think, is is eventually when this conflict does... Um, b- yeah. does end and there is is our peacekeeping abilities because yes. you, you have a remember we have to remember there's still a significant Russian population in Ukraine mm. Mm. and you know as we know from yeah. Northern Ireland you know there will be a lot of of you know pent up uh, you know, anger on yes, both sides. Of course, yeah. And I think the Irish peacekeeping ability and, and certainly our ability we have shown historically we are yeah. excellent peacekeepers. But even if this stopped yeah. tomorrow You'd wonder, wouldn't you? I mean, you have to rebuild a country. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, touch, you know, you know, I mean, the crazy thing is the amount of money you're going to spend rebuilding the country while we're giving them money to bomb it at the moment. Yes. Uh, like mm. Mary Alice said, we're, hang on, I said, we're not giving them money to bomb it. We're we're giving them money to to defend themselves. It's a big but, difference. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, Mary Alice said earlier on there that you know she wasn't sure how maybe a small country like Ireland could um, get involved in peace talks. Well, the the Russian the the and yeah, the anti-nuclear armament talks, I think, in Reykjavik in, in Iceland back in the early 70s showed how a country, if it was neutral, it can be small, it doesn't have to take sides, can offer some place where some right. bigger, bigger powers can But we have down. taken sides. We are, we are it, The yes. problem is, is we have taken sides and our politicians at the moment want us to go even deeper yeah. into this, yeah. which, you know... We have no choice. I mean, realistically speaking, the Russians... The so Russians Mark, you, have no Mark, you have a choice in everything. But is, is that because choice. we can't defend ourselves, Sabah? Yeah, essentially, that, yeah. yes. I mean, we, 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 I mean, we, we need, we need other. Like, we can't even patrol our own airspace. We no, have to, we, we have, have the RAF for doing so. We, sorry, we, we do. And I mean, the Russian. The one thing we have to remember is the Russians have no time, respect, or anything for the Irish. We, we are. I mean, in some cases, they believe we are. We are probably the, the one of the bigger propaganda people in in Europe. So. From a point of view of a neutral, that's not going to happen. I suspect it's probably going to be someone like the Israelis or, or one of those or the Turkish who are going to act as the intermediate party because they're probably the, the only... The irony of that is... Yeah, I know, it's yeah. very bizarre. But it's the only reason because the Russians, 
we don't I mean okay we have a relationship with the Israelis and the Russian and the Turkish the, the the Russians have a relationship with the Israelis and the Turkish so therefore on the balance of probability someone like that is going to be the neutral party like like Erdogan has already has been in relation to the Ukraine grain deals and Israel has done a lot of work with Roman Abramovich has done an awful lot of of behind the scenes work going on there so mm. you know for Ireland to put themselves forward as as a as an as an intermediate is not going to happen. But are you saying to me that there's no logic going to be applied to this by Putin, and he has some grand design on this that is a very personal thing, and what he views the the loss of the great. Yeah, and I mean that's that's not my that's not my opinion. Yes. This is what I this is from some friends, and only only over the last couple over the last couple of days who who are Russian who said this is what they believe in their sphere, and even a, a friend of mine who is involved i mean he 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 came to uh france there just before the call up he he left he he was his family are in russia he's living in russia he's what 42 or 3 he came he came to uh france for a, a show and uh the call up came from Putin and he goes well I can't go back because I'm going to be sent to the front so this is a meat, meat grinder so he then he had to move himself to genoa because I mean he could live there, but now he has to leave Europe for ninety days, and he's going to 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 Egypt. But his view, I mean, he be he would have kind of a lot of of connections, and his view was, unless there's some kind of regime change or some political movement within Russia, which may happen because of the the more he said the propaganda is getting in, the likes of Telegram, Signal. There's a lot of information traveling, and and the population is becoming more uneasy. With what's going on, and unless something major happens, sorry, that's it. there's a couple yes, of things there. Really, it, it kind of drives me nuts when I hear it. We constantly hear this idea that we must join some NATO or some other force because we're too small to defend ourselves. Defend ourselves against who? Who 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 logically are going to attack Ireland? The only time we've ever been invaded has been by our next door neighbours who'd be involved in the in the uh, the alliance that we'd be joining. So, I mean, like, we cannot consistently use that excuse, oh, we should join NATO because... On a, re- on a fairly regular basis. The, sorry, the Mark, 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 in fairness, no, I kind of gave you a chance this week that I didn't interrupt. We're, we're, we're talking about potentially joining an alliance where we'd end up spending three and a half billion euro a year on military equipment, on military services, when we can't afford to put people that we have in, in hotels into houses. We have a health service that's fallen apart at the seams, but we have people who have no intention of ever putting on a uniform, of ever going off to Russia, sabre-rattling, telling us we should join NATO, we should get involved in this thing. We need to step back. We really need to step back. The whole bloody world should step back at this stage. This thing is going to eventually be sorted out by talks. We started off this morning... But we do you not off. believe this notion that, that Putin has a grand design and that that's what's going to happen? First of all, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical about this idea that only one person is pushing this whole thing. Oh, no, like, I mean, that is, I mean, he, his, he, his control is incredible. He is the leader of a regime, but like, I mean, eventually, if, if it's going to be so bad for Russia and the Russian hierarchy, the Russian elite realise that this is going to be very bad for their country, they'll take him out. Yes, it happens, it happens mm-hmm. in yes. every region. This is already happen. very bad for his country, Liam. Yeah. People are saying it's very bad for his country. The Russian ruble has never been stronger. He's still selling oil and gas into Europe. He's never been making so much money out of selling oil and gas into Europe. Now, there are sanctions on Russia. But, like, the sanctions that mm. I'm feeling at the moment is the fact that I'm paying €2 Euro and, and, and $0.10 yeah. cent so we're for a litre of diesel. We're the fact, yeah. you know, the sanctions that yeah. on Putin mean that I'm paying you, twice you, as much for my gas as that, I paid last year. We're, we're I, the ones yeah, suffering here. Yeah, I think here so. From... And probably the ordinary Russian people 
you know, who, who would be struggling, yes. you know, mm. and uh, who'd be living under very difficult uh, circumstances. Right, but that's not like a democracy where that would bother him necessarily. Oh, not you at know? all. So it's no, a, I think he's probably, you know, um, hell-bent on, yeah. on keeping going as long yeah. as he can. And I think you're right, Mark, when you said that somebody within his own regime mm. will take him out eventually. Yeah. Right. I think just, his, just I mean, his, 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 view, his view is if he, if he loses power, He's essentially dead. Yes. Because I mean, they've just moved. Um, uh, what's his name? The the the, the opposition leader into solitary confinement mm. now. Mm. So I mean, his his pretty well view is. I mean, if he wins, if he wins, fine. Which more he won't. He won't. There is no winning. There's no winning in this for him in this war without mm. taking the whole of Ukraine. If he loses, he's dead. I mean, and that's the way that Russian. I mean, it has worked right. in the past. Before I hit for the, for the break, any comments on the 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 fifty two um, who are. Not able to travel to Russia, anything? I don't on? think it really affects us, does it really? I mean, I think, yeah. but I think it, it gets tit for tat. I just love the scramble to get on the list. Yeah, I mean, it, I'd be very disappointed if I was an Irish politician I wasn't on the list, you know? <laughs> I mean, it would be really, uh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not being, uh, you know, being uh, forced enough, but no, yes. I think it, it's, you look, it, it, I think it's just, it's just, I mean, it's just posturing, really, and it doesn't really make any yeah. difference to a certain extent. I think extent. politicians from other countries have suffered the same there's no practical there's no, no practical no. effect to this apart from the fact that guys want to say that they've been on the list and we just say <laughs> could I just say I'm very Stop sorry smiling while, while I'm saying. here could I just uh, offer my sympathy for Gareth that he didn't manage to make the list but if he keeps if he keeps going he'll make it, it might make but I mean, I mean that you'll probably find it's a bit like you know the old, the, what the Munster match when the Albrechts played there was about yeah. 100,000 people there I said yeah. if you added up all the, all the politicians who say they're on the list we could add up more than 52 yeah. all right you old cynic, are you saying that that's why that's why they did it the way they did it? Yeah, the, yeah. The yeah, everyone can say I'm on the list because they won't depart. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the, but there is a list out there. There is a it's list. I see the list. Oh, I see the list before I came in. It's, as I said to you, it's mostly Fianna Fáil lads for some oh, reason. Yeah. I don't know. All right, we'll take a break. Back Can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie You're very welcome back to our Friday panel and Liam Brown is with us, Mary Alice O'Connor and Mark Small is with us as well and even during the break we end up carrying on our conversations. It's, it's great. Can we move on to the price hikes linked to the current rate of inflation where the tolls are concerned. Uh, an increase of 8.6% between August 2021 and 2022 in terms of inflation. And the tolls seemingly cannot be increased beyond the current rate that they're looking for. Um, uh, the headline in the mail today, it's uh, toll rises gouging us. Uh, Mary Alice, do you do you see it as that? I mean, it's a very inappropriate time, isn't it? Absolutely. It couldn't be worse. And I think the motors, motors are so... Um, you know, impacted by the rise in fuel prices. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm very cynical about it, really. Um, most of those roads, if not all of them, are well paid for. Mm. Um, I know the M50 in particular, they're talking about the maintenance and all of that. Yes. But it is. And I suppose it goes back to the fact that there was public-private partnership and there was obviously deals done um, back when the M50 was built. And mm. This is allowing 
to a certain extent, whatever contracts they had with these private um, people, you know. Yeah, but it's it's very interesting. I mean, were you surprised to know that the government didn't know that this was going to happen? I mean, well, Leo, Leo Radcar <laughs> came out and said, look, I, I didn't know that this was going to happen. And yeah. it's not appropriate at this time and all of that. Well, I think, is that going to allow now maybe for a, 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 um, a rollback a little bit, maybe? Maybe, possibly? Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll, they'll Well, he's talking about some sort of negotiation with no? the TII, but yeah. if not, this is going to happen from, from January on. Absolutely. Then. And I know yeah. I've a family member myself who was, we'll say, works in Cork. Yeah. And uh, when when she was looking for a house, they choose um, not to be on a toll road, mm. if you know what I mean. Right. That was one of the things that would have informed their decision. Wow. So we'll say, considering looking for a house maybe in Mitchellstown or Formoy, and then thought, well, I'm going to be paying a toll twice a day. And that led up over mm. a week. Isn't, you know? that, isn't that very interesting? Yeah, so I can't get my head around the ownership. Can you? I, I know contracts are given out by the TII for the actual running of these things, but yeah. the, the public-private partnership, what, what is this? Well, that was, that was a basis of where they'd have private money and public money going into an infrastructure project. And, yes. then, and then what happens is the, the private money um, get to use that infrastructure for a period of time of which they then they have to maintain the infrastructure, but then they take the money that they income of it and that's how they make a, their profit out of it. Um, I think I think the whole M50 is a bit of a. I, I I think I feel very sorry for people in the M50 who have to cross over the toll, particularly yeah. because mm-hmm. you have this entire infrastructure, the M50, um, and I think the way tolling in Ireland, I think done by a sing, this single point stuff, I think is mm-hmm. something that would probably have to change. Um, I think seeing maybe you know in in some a lot of places now, say in, in France especially, you get tolled on your distance, so mm-hmm. you ent- you enter. And then when you leave, you you kind of take it. Now, there's a bit of infrastructure now, but with modern technology and cameras, certainly that could become easier. Um, I, I I can't see a justification really for that full price hike. I, I would I would think, I mean, I do agree. There's an element of, you know, chancing your arm here by these guys. Now, within a contract, if it says they can, they can. And mm-hmm. I mean, then it has to be negotiated by the government to try and say, well, look, don't. But I'd love to see the justification. Leo said there wasn't an increase in nine years. I don't think that's true. I know there was because I mean, because at the end, I know because I go up and down to court quite a bit, and they went went from one ninety to two. Yeah, not that long ago. I think that was. I mean, was it in the last year? Was it? I think so. Because I would have paid one ninety the last time I went through it, which is a a while ago. Yeah, Yeah. and I didn't realize. I thought they're rounding it up now to two euros, and I can. Kind of live with that. That's okay. Yeah. But no, obviously. No, I mean there have. No. So I mean there has Go been there has been price rises. Yeah. And yeah. So I mean I think I mean I I'd like to see the justification from the from the operators to why they're they're now looking for this. Yes, they probably can in their contract. And mm. um, well, they're talking know, about upkeep of these, and now there yeah. would be considerable costs. Oh no, the, and I mean and their costs would have yes. rise. Yeah. But I mean, can they justify that amount of rise? I don't know. Look I think the, I think what yeah. you will see, and certainly certainly from the trucking point of view, yes, you will probably see them end up going like in, on the one that I would know best yeah. is Tramoy, is that the trucks will end up going through Tramoy, Tramoy, yeah. yeah. and blocking up the town again, right. which mm. defeats. The purpose I think of they're it. doing that already, Mark, to a certain extent. I, I, I've some, heard that already. Right. It not only defeats the purpose, but there's actually something worse, and I'll get to that in a second. First of all, I know exactly how much the tolls cost because I was on them yesterday, and I paid mm. I paid ten forty yesterday in tolls, uh, going up and down through Port Leash and going up and down the M50. I was at a graduation in DCU, so I know how much yeah. it costs. I also know how much it costs if you forget to pay it oh, within no. 24 hours. Yes. Oh, they double the price in yeah. about three yeah. days. But, like, the funny thing about the public-private partnership, to an extent, I have no issue with it. 
but uh, the experience has been in Ireland is that the private part of it have screwed the public over left, right and centre. Mm. When the M50 was built, the government were pretty much told about 20,000 cars a day would cross over the M50. Once it was built, about 70,000 cars were passing over the M50. But here's the funny thing. If the amount of cars and trucks and lorries that don't pass, don't pass over the M50, the private partnership are still guaranteed the money by the government. Go on. Oh, yes. So really? if they yeah. sign a contract which says that 50,000 cars are going to cross the M50 every day and only 35,000 cross, mm. the government then subsidise the, the private companies for the other 15,000 and give them the money anyway. Now, That's what's incredible. going to happen, what's going to happen here, as the two lads have said to you before, if trucks start to go back into towns, if cars start to go back into towns to avoid the tolls, the toll company will still get paid the money by the government for the trucks and cars that have come off the road, but we'll now have the we'll now have the towns um, destroyed. Can't. I mean, you know Cashel, what Cashel was like, Frank. I remember. Years ago. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely yeah. terrible going down the main street. I know Tipperary Town are mad looking for a bypass, yeah, and they need to be bypassed. That's, so that's incredible. But, but, but why wouldn't the government know that this was going to happen? That's I was going to say, come on to that. That's really, really cynical, out of Leo. Uh, it, it really is. He seems to always know the good news but he never seems to know the bad news he seems to always get caught on the hop by the bad news if he's the minister involved in that I don't think he's fully because I think Eamon Ryan's Eamon involved Ryan, this yeah. as well as the minister yeah. of transport mm. there should be absolutely no way that this can be sprung upon the public without discussing that with the minister for industry who is Leo Varadkar and the minister of transport who is Eamon Ryan no reason es- whatsoever especially at this particular time you know, and by his own admission at this particular yeah. time well, this yeah, is because what I want to say here is this is a tax on work Yes, it's a tax on working people who are going to work every day. People who are not working aren't using the roads as much, but people who are working every single day are are, are getting this. Now, I think in the budget we're getting about an eight euro a week extra uh, on average in our paybacks mm. from the tax cuts. But what's the point in getting eight euro a week extra if you're driving a van and you're going to pay sixteen yeah. euro a week in in I think If you were Eamon Ryan, would you be saying, okay, well maybe this will people make people use public transport more? Uh, well, I think I think what we're what's going to happen is we have to really look at the way we ch- we charge for the use of roads. I mean, currently, I mean, and if you look at the whole way the planning on doing electric vehicles, that w- the electric vehicle where we won't have income coming from the diesel and f- and mm. uh, petrol, so we're going to have to change the w- and that money is a significant amount of money which which is going to have to be recovered from somewhere. So I think tolling of roads is going to increase dramatically, and how we toll roads I think will have to change, and it'll be based on the your road usage. And I think that's a kind of a fair approach because essentially by the taxing of diesel and petrol, you, you end up paying per use, you know, as mm. such. I mean, I think that's what's happening. I think it's probably a fair way. Well, but it's I think, happening at the moment. I mean, if you oh, use yeah. the toll a lot, you pay yeah, more. Yeah, you pay more. And I mean, if, yeah, but I mean, remember, as more and more and more electric vehicles become part of it, they don't pay the the duty on and the for petrol and diesel mm. so they are okay they're saving money yes, yes and that's and this is the whole point of this obviously going forward but then they're still using the service without paying for it because the diesel and petrol pay for the service so i think we have to look we have to kind of have a, a grander plan my problem is i don't think ireland ever does grander plans no. i mean it never thinks anything bar the next election and it's either the next local election or the next national election or whatever and um, we just do not have a group of people who seem to be able to get together 
and say, let's plan for 20 years, mm. you know, yeah. and, and let's do a plan for 20 years and let's all agree a plan for 20 years and stick to it. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's not going to Or, or look to another country and yeah. go, well, they did it right, but what do we do in Ireland? We looked to the other country and said, they did it right, but we're going to do and, it and the, the Irish the way. The attempt yeah. at that was schlant to care. It's almost it's almost as if we look at every other country, see what they did, take the mistakes that they made and we better make them ourselves just in case. But except we'll do it a better. What a bunch of cynics we have here, Mary Alice. We never seem to take the good things. I mean, I understand what you're saying there about the pay per use and if you if you put an extra one or two cent on petrol, but the problem is you can put one or two cent extra on petrol, but get rid of road tax. Because we're paying road tax. You can't. In yeah. Ireland, we'd put the one or two cent on petrol and still take the road tax off people. Yeah. You're talking about electric cars there. They don't pay, they don't pay VAT or VRT. Yeah. You'd be damn sure as soon as, yeah. soon as there's enough they'll, electric they'll vehicles on the road, first. they'll yeah. put first it onto them yeah. and, and yeah. take it back M- off Mary the road. Mary you wanted to get in on that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, the, the public transport, uh, you know, the bus or the train sounds great in theory. It's just not there for rural yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you're living out in the middle of the country, and the timetable is just oh, stupid, like absolutely yeah. dire. You know, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's always designed to miss the next yeah. bus or yeah. train. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the the, yes. the links from Tipperary Town. If you're trying to go by train anywhere, you might as well forget it. Like absolutely. You know? well, by the time you get to Waterford, it'd be time to come back well, again. Well, if you're trying you know? to commute to Dublin, crazy. I mean, yeah, you can I know. I mean, carry on. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, have, yeah. mean going to Tur- I mean, Turles and get the train up, and even yes. then, it's it, it's incredibly expensive now, and that for for encouraging people to use public transport, it's no, it is great. I mean, Dublin, they've got what their twenty percent reduction. Yeah, yeah. But like, we don't have the buses. I mean, I mean, no. I, I, I mean, when you when I travel, I use public transport. You know, when you're, you're yeah. traveling around Europe, and it's great. You know, tubes, undergrounds, mm. train network. That's it's fantastic. Right. In Ireland, you can't. And that, it, it's, it, it, for it, people it, traveling to Ireland, it must if be. You t- if you take a case of example to look at another country and, and maybe copy it, Germany a couple of months ago made public transport nine euro for a month. All right. public transport. Right. You bought a nine euro ticket, it got you at the S band, the U band, the, the trains, the, the buses, and you paid that for a month. If you put that on Irish public transport, it would be used. Instead, yeah. Yeah. if me and my wife go to, to Dublin, by the time we get out of the car in the Lewis, get the Lewis into town mm. and back out again, we spent over nine euro just to get in right. and out of And if you book a seat, it won't be there for you. And yeah, exactly, yeah. All sorts yeah. of rubbish Oh, the train will be late. But even, yeah. even yeah. I mean, they were talking about this integrated, you know, in, like now you can, you can do this integrated, like in, in certainly a lot of countries, you just put your your, yeah. car, your 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 credit card. You tap enter. You tap and you leave. Mm. And you know this makes sense okay. to me. But in Ireland, no. And Which it's we not, don't tie anything up. No, no, no. I mean, like we built a Lewis, but never connected it. I mean, how? Whoever thought that was going to be a good idea? <laughs> We've uh, only a few moments left, but I ha- I want to hear your opinion on this because it was one of our dear Phil letters, and and our social media platform just <laughs> went nuts about this. And um, quick couple of lines just to sum it up. A fifty-year-old lady in a leisure centre. She's dressing. In the course of her dressing, she dropped her towel. Um, she was approached by a woman who had her young son with her and was asked to show some decency as her son was present. Words were exchanged, resulting in the lady being called a pervert and stuff. Mary Alice, will you take this first of all? Are we prudish in this country? Are we, you know, I mean, was yeah, there I any... Think, I think uh, we probably are. Now, yeah. calling her a pervert was really yes. OTT, yeah. completely. I think, um, certainly, if I was in the gym, or in the swimming pool or anywhere else, I'd um, 
I keep myself covered okay. sufficiently. Um, I don't want anyone to be frightened by my <laughs> by, by my body. Thanks very much. Um, so I think, yeah, I think uh, further in that letter, she said that she was um, really taken aback and she wouldn't go back and hadn't gone and back to the, the gym. That was the point. She wouldn't meantime. go back there. She was very. It, it happened in front of people. So I yeah. Think, uh, so I, I think no, I'd brave it and go back. I'd sort of take. The, the, mm. the message from it. Right. Um, uh, did, did the other lady have any point? Her her young son was in there with her. I, I'm not sure. I think he was four or five or something. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think her reaction was a bit over the top. Mm. I, that's mm. how I'd put it. Um, to accuse somebody of being a pervert in such a situation is really... Um, you know, taking it too far. But I, I would take the point that I suppose we all need to be respectful in a public situation or in a situation like that. Right, and of, of, of people. I know yeah, that yeah. places I've been, Mark, I've been totally, I, I am a prude, I have to say, <laughs> but I, I, particularly Iceland stands out oh, in yeah, my yeah, memory. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, people prancing around, the, and oh, yeah. there's, there's no problem. No, what, no, I mean, what, I, think, I think Ireland has a historical problem with, you know, with anything of the its body. sexual nature yes, and the body. Have, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. cover it up and don't mention it. And, uh, you know, yeah. and I think that's a his, that, that is what is going on there. I mean, mm. I don't, I mean, you, you see it like in Finland and Sweden and Iceland. I mean, and you know, mm. it's almost you're coming in. If you go into into the um, the saunas, are looking at you, going, "What are you doing with clothes?" Yeah, I mean, it's, I know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. nearly like but getting dressed that's, under that's a towel. That's disgraceful. Like you're wearing clothes that. in here, yeah. you know. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean, I think we do. I mean, you know, and I must yeah. say, I'm, I, you know, in that environment, I'm not overly comfortable, you know. Yeah, but, same as that. Know, but mm. I mean, I think, I think. I think, I mean, that, that particular uh, example is, I think it's a disgrace in the way calling that person a, a yeah, pervert. pervert. I mean, stuff, yeah. I mean, like that is really, that is really, really inappropriate to do that. Um, I mean, I know, I, well, I know from, from, you know, most, in, in most of the rugby clubs and things like that, or mm. I mean, there you no know, towels and showering and all that. Is, I mean, it's, it's, you know, in men's sport, I don't think that is, is, is kind of, a, you know, covering up or that. I don't think it's, it's that, yeah. it's that relevant. I think it's much more within the female sport area that they would do that. Actually, but, unless they're very, uh, cleverly flipped the argument and said that if it was in a men's dressing room with a young uh, female child, it would be a different discussion. That, that was kind of interesting yeah. then, wasn't well, it? Well, the likely thing is, is you wouldn't bring a young female, a man wouldn't bring a young female child into a men's dressing room. And I know that from personal experience yeah. because mm. I used to bring my two daughters to swimming where they'd have to change. And what we had to do was we had to use the, the accessible toilet. Right. Basically right. go in there and kind of lock it and they could get mm. changed inside there by themselves. So you, that, that kind of wouldn't happen. Mm. What is interesting is if you, if you read into the letter there, um, the the lady had her young son with her mm. and she wanted the other lady to cover up because she didn't Show want the young son to look at it. Said, yeah. Well, what she was doing was she was giving the learned behaviour to the young son mm. that somebody's body yep. is yeah. not to be looked at. Yeah. Yes. Now, realistically, if, if I'm in a certain situation, if I'm in a pub, I don't expect to see people prancing around. But if I go into a changing room at a gym or yeah. you mentioned a rugby yeah, club, guess I do happen. expect yeah. people <laughs> to be changing. So are yeah. we prudish? I think we are, but that's the reason yeah. why we're prudish because somebody said, to me, I, I think my, my wife was listening. She said, they're, they're called our privates because they're supposed to be private. Yeah. But I did work in Sweden as well, and it took me a, a little bit of time to get used to the fact that <laughs> yeah. I would walk in and have a chat with and you. No, and no bother. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I can't chat with you. And I, I, remember, I, remember being on, I remember being on holidays with my wife yeah. back in Spain, uh, back in 97. I still know the year. And I was sitting down and I was reading a book, and I got a tap on my shoulder, and it was a, a girl was topless. 
pretty much leaned over and said, do you mind if I have a light? And I almost fell off the chair. <laughs> and I'm thinking, but that's the Irish way. I mean, she was a, yeah. a young German girl yeah. or a young Dutch girl. So I, I think it's a cultural thing as well. Yeah. I think if you go to the, 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 the Northern European countries, Iceland, Sweden, Finland, Norway, mm. they have, they're much more open much about more their bodies. About it, but yeah. again, only in certain situations. Yes. You yes. don't walk into somebody's house naked. Right. You know, <laughs> but if you walk into a dressing room, there's a good chance. That's what it's called, a dressing room. There's going to be dressing and undressing. You're conjuring up all room. sorts of things to me when you said and, that. And let's face it, we don't have the weather for friends no. usually. <laughs> We're talking about Finland and, and, and pretty chilly up there. Absolutely. Not absolutely. to mention Iceland. And yeah, it doesn't seem to yeah, bother anybody, yeah, but there you are. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much as always to Liam and to Mark and to, to Mary Alice. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, coming on the programme today. That's it from me. Uh, Emma produced Ali, looks after our content as Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel. I'll talk to you Monday. Bye-bye now. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.